This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Forever. Dog. On today's episode of Weekend at Bergman's, your teachers are trying to kill you. Horror Month rolls on with two movies about cutting class and getting cut by knives, and so forth. Representing the art house, it's Dario Argento's 1977 cult classic of the Italian Giallo school of horror. Did I say that right? Oh, yeah. Giallo. Giallo? I'm sure... No, Jalo's fine. Jalo. Yeah. Suspiria. And representing the mainstream, it's maybe the most 1998 movie of all time, directed <laughs> by Robert Rodriguez, written by Kevin Williamson, starring Josh Hartnett, Jordana Brewster, Elijah Wood, Clea Duvall, Sean Hattesey, Famke Jamson, Usher, Raymond, Salma Hayek, John Stewart, Robert Patrick, and some other people that we'll talk about later. Um, Joe? Are you ready? Oh, yeah. Then roll that theme song. Oh. What'd you cook up here? A little spooky version? We're going to try something. Every week, you and I watch two movies together. Well, not quite together, because we watch them apart. You at your house and me at mine. Whoa. <laughs> Every week we watch the same two movies. How is this going? I think it's going pretty well. But how do we choose these two movies? Well, one is a brilliant. This doesn't. Work. doesn't work. It's working. It work. Work. It's cinematic art. The height of the medium. The other well, one is mainstream. I'm talking popcorn, baby. Hollywood endings. But what happens when we watch them back to back? And we have to decide which one we like better. Oh, and and we have to be honest. That works great. Welcome. Welcome to Weekend at Bergman's. We're going to watch an art house movie and a mainstream movie. And we're going to tell you which one we like better. And the one that we like better is going to go in the cannon. Right. And the one that we did not like as much is going to go in the trash cannon. In the trash cannon. I rehearsed that uh, earlier and then completely forgot. It was good. The rehearsal was better than the performance, as it, as it always is. Yeah, that was um, good, though. But I got in the moment, and I, I felt like I had the tempo down earlier. You know what it was? Like I fig- In the rehearsal, I got it sounding more evil. You know, like in, in Suspiria, where the, the, that one guy's just yelling out, Witch! Witch! 
which I kind of had that sort of vibe. And then when I started singing it uh, for real right now, there was something a little bit more rollicking about it. I was still doing the different drum intonation. I should have really locked into the goblin. We have like which two or three more Halloween episodes to go, so right. you, you got know plenty what? of time. We're gonna to try that again. I like time um, to spooky it up. I just I'd like I I, yeah, I thought it'd be fun to do it spooky, you know. Um, you were right. That was the equivalent of Brett collapsing and Joe carrying him across the finish line. It was. I re- you know what I appreciate. I that. was your Samwise you know on what? that one. Yes. You know, you are my uh, G, you know footprints in the sand. That was when yeah. I was carrying you. Uh, Joe looks rested. Oh, thank you. That cannot be remotely true. Well, uh, yeah, I guess somebody's just, are you negging me? Is that what the kids say? Like you're giving me a little, a little meanness, but as a, as like a little cajole? (laughs) He's so tired. He's, he has no, he has no brain right now. He he has a fog where his brain used to be. It's mush. Um, Jessica says, "Can there be a call-in number? This should be a call-in show. That is a, a, honestly a, a dangerous fantastic game, idea. but that's, that's a, a fantastic I only play idea. dangerous games. I mean, get a lo- get a phone on the call, and we'll do a phone segment. I mean, we have the master. It. We have the call-in master, Tom Sharpling, who who owns this. Who who you know who who is doing his damn thing in this studio that's every right. Tuesday night." Um, I'm sure we could figure it out. That sounds like a blast asking for, and a half. Asking for a couple tips. You Maybe know? well, we have some fun big ass live streams planned for a little later, a couple yeah. of weeks. Maybe we do something fun, Brett. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, we do. We've got we've it's got a surprise. If though. you is think this is, uh, we got another themed month coming up in November, and we're not going to spoil what the theme is. No, uh, but it's very personal for me. It's going to be very exciting. I think it's personal for me, but it's a universal theme that everyone right. I think can really get into. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got an we got a fellow uh, uh, Philly trash in the in the chat. Uh, Ryan mean uh, Ryan Meehan says, Joe, how are you liking our five O birds? Five and O birds. How am I liking them? I'm liking them just fine. Thank you very much. A little too close for comfort. That's the Luck- Eagles, the Philadelphia Eagles. They're talking Luckily, about. Luckily, Kyler's just a bag of dog shit. Otherwise, I think we'd have a little four one action on our hands. But that's not the world we live in, folks. That's five O for your Philadelphia freaking birds. Go birds! Peaking too early is what I say. Like Icarus flying too close to the sun. Go birds! It ain't gonna last. It's gonna be a rough first round exit for you, but you know what? I wish you the best. Whatever. I dude, wish you the best. Fucking crazy. Uh, all right, let's get let's uh, let's start getting into today's uh, uh, movies. This is very exciting. We are rolling on with our October horror month. Oh, um, thank. We God. had a little appetizer last week with Alien versus Predator. Alien, of course, won. Uh, R.I.P. Predator. I really enjoyed watching you multiple times uh, before I had to uh, say goodbye forever. Right. Um, but I have Predator uh, Two. I have yeah. uh, Prey, Predators. Predators. I have Alien vs. Predator. And you have Alien vs. Predator Requiem. <sighs> None of them are quite the same. No, though. not quite the same. Uh, Predator Two is wild. I did watch that with yeah. Danny Glover in in L.A. And, yeah, and um, but it's not the same. It's not the same. Did you like no. Prey? Um, you know, I haven't watched Prey yet. That's next. Prey super I'm, fun. I, I thought I would go. Um, you know, now that I'm fully on board with the Predator franchise, despite never being able to see the original yeah. movie ever again, That's cool. I thought I would go in order. So I'm making my way towards Predator. I love that. Uh, I can't wait to get there. So to kick off today's uh, segment, we have we have this. I, I have been waiting for this segment for a while. And Joe, you're going to take the lead on this. Yeah. Um, this is um, uh, the Italian horror genre Giallo, which uh, Suspiria is one of the one of the the key examples of, right? And and most of Dario Argento's work uh, has some some stylistic things, you know, about it that are always uh, common. Um, why, why, why don't you tell us a little bit about what Giallo, Italian Giallo, is in your in your yeah. uh, perspective, and then we'll get into our very fun segment. Sure. Buckle up. Long story short, folks, when there was sort of, uh, there were mystery novels they sold in Italy and Europe, and they were all yellow, um, and then... 
they just sold a yellow ton paper, of yellow paper, yellow covers with a big circle on them and different mysteries and such. And then they started getting sort of adapted from into crime films that uh, they called Jalo. And now we associate that with horror films because it. Very quickly, these crime uh, most uh, most your standard Jalo film is sort of like a crime with a mystery, and uh, a detective or somebody is trying to An solve. Impromptu detective in the case of Suspiria, sort of. Yeah, you know, Suspiria is uh, yeah. a little. I mean, she's, like, she's, is, is, is advanced. Is an advanced. Susie's Jalo. a detective. She becomes yeah. a detective. She's literally like doing the steps in her head. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's fucking Sherlock Holmes by the end of that thing. Mm-hmm. So you have a, a detective trying to solve a crime, and some of the um, well, the key sort of aesthetic quality that is a differentiator from what came before it is the gruesome deaths, which oh, we yeah. which we love. Um, we get gruesome deaths, usually uh, nine times out of 10 of young women in Jalo films, obviously directly influences the entire slasher genre, the American slasher genre, the American horror films of the 80s and, and films today. Um, some of the main motifs or recurring themes in uh, Jalo is like a psychosexual sort of horror. Um, oftentimes, a, a, a man with black gloves and sort of face, sort of like a Rorschach man, is in sort of the bad guy killer that gets you know Scooby Doo revealed at the <sighs> end in lots of Jalos, and um, they sort of build. So in the early seventies, they are crime dramas and there are gruesome deaths but then as we march along in the 80s we get a little more supernatural and as uh, certain creators get involved and the genre picks up and picks up steam the movies get uh, gorier and gorier and we got Mario Bava we got Dario Argento the director of Suspiria we've got the godfather of gore Lucio Fulci we've got a lot of classic uh, uh, directors that worked in this genre and like you said one of the key trademarks of it is the gruesome deaths and Joe, is my understanding that you have compiled your favorite Jalo kills? Yeah, your favorite Jalo kills that we're going to go through. I have not seen these. Oh, good. Um, and uh, uh, warning to the chat: these are gruesome. Oh, these are disgusting. These are gruesome. They're, they're disgusting. So if you don't like uh, gore in movies, I mean, look, it's 1970s gore. But if you don't like gore in they're, movies, they're disgusting. It's pretty gross stuff. Uh, but damn, it is fun. It's fun. Um, I love it. So let's um, let's let, gore. Let's get into this, and we're we're, we're going to call we're going to call this segment. Um, Joe's, Joe's Jallo shots. Jallo. Jallo shots, 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 Jallo shots, 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 Jallo shots, 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 Jallo shots, 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 Brian, bring it up. Shots, shots. There, there it is. Shots, 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 Jallo shots, shots, shots. All right. Um, those guys are creeps, right? That was probably a bad song to play. Um, all right, let's, um... Let's uh, let's Who's take a look guys? here. Uh, L M L M F A O, because every day twenty four seven, those guys yeah, are just yeah, yeah. laughing the heck their up. fucking asses off all day long, every day. Guys, I compiled In traffic at home, at the gym, at work. Mm-hmm. They're laughing. They're laughing. Not just laughing. They're fucking asses off. Okay. All right, sorry, go ahead. No problem. So we have, um, uh, I don't know, we have like seven or eight of my favorite Jalo kills here. I'm so excited to share them. And now, folks, this will be funner if you have Forever Dog Plus or if you join us at 5 p.m. Pacific on Mondays for our live streams on Twitch. But if you have Forever Dog Plus, you can watch our clippy clips along with me and Brett. And if you don't, you're going to have to just listen to me. And that's pretty good, but it's not as fun. That's fun as watching along. It's and you, you won't see uh, our costumes. Our amazing costumes. Uh, oh, your incredible costume this week as 90s high school student. I am dressed 
as the head of the football team in the faculty who wears a blue collared short sleeve shirt. And Brett, you are dressed as... I am dressed as, people are saying Little Lord Fauntleroy. I am yes. wearing a Fauntleroy suit. Dead Little Lord Fauntleroy. But so is, so is nephew Albert in Suspiria, the creepy little boy in Suspiria, the nephew who's always lurking around in the background. He's 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 in the witch's coven at the very end, the Did witch's sort of conspiracy. So he's part of it. Uh, actually, can we see, a, uh, Brian, real quick, can we see a shot of nephew Albert? It's right behind, or it should be up right above these uh, the video file. A uh, little nephew Albert from Suspiria. There he is. Look, there at little, he is. look at little nephew Albert. All right. Now you look like little a, Lord Fauntleroy, the bit you're kind of doing Well, that's, recently. A, that's a classic Fauntleroy suit. That's a Fauntleroy mm -hmm. suit right there. Classic Fauntleroy suit they got him in with the lace collar, mm -hmm. the, the velvet jacket. Uh, he's given it a few extra little touches, which I like. Um, mm -hmm. the, uh, the sort of cravat, the sort of old school cravat there. Uh, I think we got one more picture, a close-up picture. There he is. Oh, look at this. Look at this lovely little <laughs> yeah. boy. Yeah. Oh, Every parent's dream uh -huh. to have a little boy like that yeah. lurking around the background of a dance academy. Yeah, kind of like doing picking errands. off the picking off the students one by one. He's the intern. Oh. All right, uh, and then the blood is just because it's horror, you know. Yeah, um that's fun. Uh, so, all right, sorry, folks. Joe. No, please don't be sorry. I, Brent, I'm so excited to share these with you. Some of my favorite giallo kills. No, I can't wait. We're starting with 1971 classic by Mario Bava, who, in my opinion, is the best of these uh, collection of directors, although they all have tons of amazing movies and lots of fun stuff. I am a Bava freak. I'm a Bava fan. I think he has the, well, first of all, he basically invents the slasher as we know it in this 1971 film, Bay of Blood. And I actually want to show two kills here. Um, and this is, you know, this is some of the first stuff, but you will notice them if you are slasher fans and folks. So go ahead, Brian, let's take a little look-see. Um, Bay of Blood, a bunch of kids go to a cabin and they get, rent a lake house and they all die. Um, great, great. So great here we go. This is kind of our first. Oh! Now that. <laughs> oh my God! Now that is very Jalo and very slasher. But when he does this, He's you know, still it's blinking. one of those things where it's, you know, revolutionary. He's still having thoughts. And radical and, and shocking. Wow. Christopher Lee we walked out, out of the theater when he saw this film, even though he had worked with Bava previously because he wow. was so, di so abhorred by the violence. And this is the second one walk in the woods. I want to show from Bay of Blood. This is the famous uh, uh, spear. Can't have sex. You're not allowed you can't to have, have sex. sex. And this is why I'm showing this one. This, of course, bang. Now, come on now. We get 20 to 50 years of American films sort of copying this whole entire concept of uh, 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 Couple having sex, still sort stabbed of in the back the, with a spear, and they, yeah, well, they're still, you know, they're still doing it, trying to eh, go on, they're going on top, literally. All right, so this next one we have here. Oh, good, we're flying right into it. Sort of more foundational Daddy. stuff. This one's from Sergio Martino's Torso in 1973. Um, here we have multiple women being revealed to be dead, uh, which is very on point as a motif for uh, Jalo films in general. And that's a 1973 uh, foundational Martino film. And then my last clip Ooh, here. Here we go. Here we go. Um, is an Argento clip from you know the from movie Deep Red, which is my favorite or oh, one of my top bathtub? two favorite is this the bathtub? Uh, Argento films. Um, my, sorry, my ears are so loud. Um, 
So this is a, a great example of a Jalo drowning, of which there are myriad examples. That's hot water, though. That's boiling That's hot water. That's boiling hot water. Oh, my God. This, uh, see, you can see the man with the dark gloves. That is classic, classic. Jalo. Um, just, there's some stupid bullshit YouTube That's some stuff. YouTube shit. Um, Brian, can we pause it for one second? What Thanks twisted asshole is adding um, little video game sound well, you effects know, into these this? YouTube clips you have to find the stuff on. But real quick, of that bathtub scene in uh, Deep Red, 1975, um, I love that scene. It is an obvious uh, influence on one of my favorite horror scenes and horror movies of all time. The uh, sometimes maligned Halloween 2, which is an absolutely brilliant and essential uh, holiday classic. Of course, in that one, Michael Myers burns one of the boils and burns one of the ladies alive. In the in the oh, scene where we have the spear brutal. going into two backs, that happens in Friday two or three, probably two. Basically, I watched you know growing up all the Jasons, all the Michaels, da, 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 and then I just watched all the Jalos and goes, oh, they just stole everything from all these these films. So, so these three guys, Bava, uh, Martino, and Argento, I wanted to kind of lay as like a little foundational piece right here. So this is this is incredible. This is this is a, like real, a real masterwork. Cool. Of of, uh, of an introduction to the genre. Uh, somebody know in the chat in this freeze frame, you can see the fake arm. Uh, you yeah. can see they've inserted a fake. So let's let's go on to this next one. Here's two gore clips. I'll play them back to back for you. The first one's that's from- That's still a close, that's still a close, I mean- The first one's from Tenebrae, which is uh, an 82 Argento film. And we have a uh, cut off an oh arm God. and then splatter. And the splatter's fun, but I love this splatter when it splatters all across the wall. All right, pause it, Brian, yeah, actually, for a second. Can we go back and see that? That is, that is- yeah. Gorgeous. This is a great. Uh, this is one. Of, this is a great Argento kill from Tenebrae, uh, 1982. And then just real quick, the scene, the clip we're going to see after this is our first um, Lucio Fulci clip. Fulci is the godfather of gore. Yes. His stuff is usually repulsive, and I love um, the clip that we're going to watch from House by the Cemetery, which is in that 80s collection on Criterion right now. Oh, oh wow. It's really I'm making good. my way through it. It's disgusting, Brett. It. You're going to love when you get to the House by the Cemetery. It's fucking great. It's got a creepy kid in it for you. you I watched uh, like The Keep and Prince of Darkness this week. Making my way oh, you through watch Prince of Darkness. Like, we'll talk about did, it later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, can, but, we see, can, I, can I see it just freeze frame on the, this on is the, on the wall The wall that when she's spraying it with her blood? Cuts off the hand. Okay, so then she has this amazing, splattery, gory, bloody fake Look thing. Look at this. And then this is just beautiful. You can, you can put this in the he MoMA. Sprays it. She sprays an entire white wall just dripping with blood. Um, and it's just so red and so bloody and so fun. And Argento usually brings the fun. Bava usually brings the gravitas. And then, um, sorry, Fulci, who we're about to watch. And not to be confused with Dr. Fauci. Who's in charge of the ouchies? Um, Doctor uh, Fulci, Lucio Fulci is a is a giallo director who's the godfather of gore. So his stuff is usually the goriest. Right, Bava his... is the most lush and grandiose and gorgeous and controlled and brilliant. Argento's is the most poppy and yeah. sort of um, fun ish. And then uh, Fulci is just fucking disgusting. So and they all Catholic have to distinguish. They all yeah. distinguish themselves. They all come. They up all with have the their signature. Little yeah, okay. they all have their little okay. things. And these are three of the the, the masters. And then and then Martino's an early master as well. Okay, cool. Brian, can we see this? Alright, here we go. House by the Cemetery. No! Now this is a zombie that's getting cut open and we have disgusting uh, parasites. What do you call those little things? Little, maggots. little buggies, maggots falling out of the zombie. And that's fun and I love that, but wait for this throat slash. Look at this throat rip. A MacGruber would be Oh, proud. just a MacGruber-esque throat ripping where the <laughs> where the zombie is <laughs> just reaching in and just ripping this guy's throat out. It's totally, absolutely vile. All right, Brian, we can pause it right there.
Wow. Um, so that's what Fulci is like. There's another kill in House by the Cemetery where a woman gets her throat slashed, and this happens in basically every Jalo movie and lots of horror movies. But God, I didn't put it in this slideshow, but there is a throat slash that is so aggressive and disgusting in House by the Cemetery. If you're a gore freak, jump right in. All right. Oh, so, hold on. Yeah. So, so uh, Jakey Chains also noticed uh, we, we we were citing MacGruber for the throat rip. Yeah. Patrick Swayze in Roadhouse, famously, that's, that's his move. That's his signature yeah, yeah. move. That's one true. of the Good craziest move. One of the craziest moments I think in movie history is when you find out that Patrick Swayze literally rips throats <laughs> as his like signature kill move in uh, Roadhouse, where yeah. he's just a he's a bouncer at a bar. Yeah. Hey, maybe he loved uh, Lucio Fulci's House by a Cemetery. And you almost, you're almost like, you know, is he just like saying, is he, is he just using that as an intimidation tactic? And at the mm. very end, he rips that guy's throat out. Yeah, sick. Roadhouse. Hey, maybe we'll watch it on the pod. I got another one for you. Here's two clips in a row of elevators in Jalo. Not a, a, <laughs> Picked a bad time to eat this can of beets. <laughs> um Here's two clips from elevators I love. I'm terrified by elevators. The first is from 1971. I'm so scared of elevators. This is going to be rough. Okay. Um, so the first one's from Cat of Nine Tales, which is an early Argento. I think it's his second film after um, The Bird with the Crystal Plumage, which is very good. Yep. This yep. is Cat of Nine Tales. Um, and this has uh, sort of like practical horror that you can imagine in your brain. Sometimes what we just watch, like it's scary, it's gross, we're all laughing. But you can't really imagine a zombie ripping your throat out in in this first clip, this has that kind of horror where it's like you can imagine stepping on a pin. You can imagine Ugh. if somebody were to do this to you or what this would feel like. And it is so painful for me, like nails on a chalkboard. And then the second elevator clip we're going to see is just a, one of my favorite funniest kills. Again, it's from Deep Red, which is just like full of really funny oh, kills. Deep Red. This is the end of Deep Red. Maybe the best of the Jallos. Up there. Certainly Definitely up there. Certainly the best of – I think it's the my favorite Argento because it just yeah. keeps you laughing with these kills. And this kill is hilarious. But let's watch the first one. This is a Cat of Nine Tails. Argento, and then his 1975 Deep Red uh, right, kill. Buck, buckle up, baby. All right, so here's the elevator shaft kill from Cat of Nine Tails. I don't even want my... I don't want to take my fucking... Head. Oh, oh, no! Oh, no! <laughs> oh, I had to take my head... Oh, Lord. That is repulsive. Um, his hands gripping the elevator shaft. Oh, and then this... The voice of the woman yelling, cookie. Just look, just accept death. Just accept it. But the worst is these, like, you know what? You know what is. You'd hold on to, like, if you're. you're I know, you're right. It's it's an instinct. Well, because, you know, the worst. The worst death in Suspiria to me is the one where she, uh, is it Susan or who is it, where she gets stuck in the, like she falls into the barbed wire That's a room. great example of this thing. And it's like, Argento, just That's let her worst. die. <laughs> let her die. But no, before she gets stabbed to death, she's she's flailing around in barbed wire for, for three minutes. Not cool. Um, it's like Dante-esque. So yes. They love to yeah. torture mm-hmm. their characters before they kill them. Yeah. They're sadistic. The, but the torture is just a game for them. It's just a game. Yeah. It's, it's, um... And let's be honest. It's why we, it's why we love and watch and revere these films. Yeah. It's like the, 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 the Method Man track from, from the first Wu-Tang album, where they're just like, you know, coming up with ways of like torturing each other to death. It's just like, it's just, the, it's a game that's like, it's a, it's a game of the imagination. Yeah. It's the best. God bless you, Jallo. It's the best. Okay. Let's see the elevator kill from Deep Red. This is towards the end of Deep Red, oh, too. Oh, this. She oh, gets no. her necklace oh, no. stuck I know this. in the I know this. Uh, elevator. Oh, no. Oh, the elevator's coming. Oh, she's oh no. And, oh, no. Uh, bl- and we, we, we got <laughs> Another YouTube sound effect <laughs> Another so effect. But we did get the whole entire head uh, cutting the off The one there. thing, though, that kind yeah. of Argento, his one mercy is that when you see Ar- Argento blood, Argento blood is so fake and stylized yeah. that it kind of takes you. It sort of, yeah. it, it, it's a very nice way of saying, like, this is a movie. This is a fucking movie. That's sort of like my yeah. 
if I if that's sort of my thing I don't like about Argento is well we'll talk about it more when we talk about Suspiria but you're 100 percent right Brett there's a lot of like forgiveness a lot of letting the audience off the hook and a lot of fun to be had in his films which makes it less scary <laughs> yeah Ben Cox sorry we'll get into this when we talk about Suspiria but it's so funny that there's just a room full of barbed wire in a dance academy yes. and we all just go along with it it is it is that's when you know that like Suspiria you're it's just is just a horror house it is mm. a dance academy in 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 like in surface only it is a house of horrors. Um, and then we're going to end with two clips here. One of my like fascinations in film is the use of animals in film. So I wanted to do some animals in Jalo. Um, again, you know, oftentimes we're getting sort of that Rorschach looking character with the fedora and the gloves as our murderer. Mm-hmm. But sometimes we get something more fun, especially as the 80s come in. They're trying to one up each other. Let's go ahead and take a look at uh, this first clip from 1981's Oh Beyond. yeah, and we, will, we will of course talk. We will definitely talk about Goblin when we get to Suspiria. Yes, proper. Goblin will be like my everything about Argento for me. But uh, Fulci in The Beyond, uh, this is sort of like his nightmare vision. There's not a whole lot of coherence to this film, but it works coherently as a nightmare and is really, really brilliant and very scary and tons of stuff. And Brian, could you go ahead and roll the clip? Um, It's kind of long. I don't think we'll watch the whole entire thing. But this is a a bunch of tarantulas crawling on top of a man and ripping his his face off from The Beyond. He's dying. He's dying oh, as why? the tarantulas eat him alive. Let's just watch a little bit watch of this. Watch our viewers. And if you're just like on the subway, just listen to down. a man's face get eaten by tarantulas right now. Oh, his nose is like coming off. Now, this is Fulci. This is, you know, like I said, the godfather of gore. His movies are... Fulci's in it for one reason only, for he's, this. He's in it to this. win it, right? Yeah. Um, just, just... What even vile. is that? camera is so close. Yeah, it's great. You can really see it's it. like, like pulling his like tongue out through his nose or something. Fulci's I can't so know great looking like, at. He can get that close and like whether it's a drill going into somebody's neck or a spider ripping your face off, his practical effects, they don't, they are very, very right, insanely well done. The chat, the well chat done. is tapping out. We can, we right, can, we can right, move Brian, on. Can, no, 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 not the tooth. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Let's go All ahead right, and you scroll can watch forward at your leisure. Uh, to the end of... Um, uh, uh, phenomena. So oh, the, phenomena. Yeah, so, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So phenomena. Yeah. Argento, 1985. Now he, you know, Suspiria sort of starts this thing where he's like <laughs> Fulci. What the fuck? Ful- no, Fulci's the maybe. Well, I'm a Baba guy, but Fulci's yeah. the the funniest one. <laughs> Fulci. Um, Fulci was like, oh, I get what we're doing here. Yeah, he's like, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> he's like, you know, the um, the terrifier guy of his of, of Giallo. So, um, phenomena. 1985, this is sort of like Argento. One of my least favorite Argentos is Inferno. It's on that 80s collection on the Criterion that's out right now. I rewatched it. It's fine. You know, it's sort of like Suspiria without all the good stuff um, from a visual perspective. And then he sort of goes with this surrealist, not surrealist, excuse me, like sort of like sci-fi, surreal-esque sort of, um, you know, uh, stuff. Here is the end of uh, Phenomena with Jennifer Connelly. Um, And it Brings a brings a smile uh, to my to my face every time I watch it. We get two kills for the price of one here, folks. To wrap up our Jalo shots. That burning boat out there is a nice touch. Okay. <laughs> All right. So we just start off with a uh, sheet metal head slice off, and now we got sheet metal up to the neck. 
Someone's about to push sheet metal into Jennifer Connelly's throat to decapitate her. Why didn't I get you before? But she's going to be saved by her old friend. Who's going to save her? Oh. Go on. Oh. <laughs> it's a chimp with no. a switchblade. <laughs> oh, and he's just hacking. Oh, he's hacking the shit out of her. Oh, no. Oh. Just dragging a fucking switchblade all over her face. Oh. But wait, 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 wait for the resolution. So the chimp's like, oh, fuck, I kind of overdid it with the... <laughs> Oh, fuck. Was that me? Uh, you know what? Honestly, you're welcome, Jennifer Connelly. This is my 2001 right here. This is my 2001. Give her a big hug. Yeah. And uh, that's some of my favorite Jalo kills, folks. Hope you enjoyed this version of Jalo shots. Jalo. Jello shots, 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 shots. Jello shots, 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 shots. I mean, Jello. I mean, what a fun way to approach movies. Yeah. Not like you know, it's not like Kenneth Lonergan sitting down and be like, "How can I? Oh, how can I? Makes me sad. How can I make so? How can I make it so sad?" Argento's like, "All right, what's what has literally never been done? What would be the funniest thing that could possibly happen right now?" Um, no, I know it is. It is such. What's like the a, funniest thing yeah. that could happen? But then, how how can I make it so gory that it offsets the fact that it's funny? Mm-hmm. And Sometimes. so you're just oscillating between the, the 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 joke of it and the horror of right. it, like this, you know, pinball. I think that's why the what films, a great way to I think approach that's why the films movies. are so still fun to watch. I might like, be yelling because I, I had to it, turn my. It understands audio down. what right, the. It's just you know, Jalo films. You know, there's yeah. a lot of stinkers. But like you know, the good ones they, they understand what's great about horror. Like that just when you just the thrill of watching someone take it a little too far or be a little disgusting or really go for it. Um, that's the best. That's the best stuff. I hate when people don't go for it in their horror films. It's 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 you know, it's D- great. Dunstan checks in, motherfucker. Thank you, Josh yeah. Sieber. That's, okay, that's good. another good that's perfect. Uh, film. Um uh that rule, Joe from Ryan. You're getting you're getting high marks for oh, Josh. Nice, I'm glad Josh. you guys enjoyed it. Yes. I well, mean look, don't, don't that wasn't high marks just, me. You weren't just I, what I liked about that was you weren't just these YouTube uh, you know, aggregators throwing mm. Super Mario sound effects. You, well, that, yeah, was, that one guy did. That was a a, a history of Jallo, cool. as well as a fun segment. Great, I'm I'm thrilled. I'm, I love I'm that. thrilled. I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. I love that because it all comes down to the horror. They find the story and the psychology of it all in the horror. So these kills mm. are not just they are they are playing a game. How can we make the kills as crazy as possible? Mm-hmm. But you find the story comes out of the uh, out of the horror as well. So it's it's not like you know these extraneous scenes. Yeah. These this is the these are the movies. This is where the yeah. movie happens. Is in these moments. It's so cool. There's yeah. so many, and you know it's not all just like pure sp- splatter fest. Sometimes they're em- emotional. Even 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 um uh, Fulci can go really emotional. Um, and really beautiful, even as even as he's slicing somebody's leg open and, and blood is coming down. Like you know, just these these directors are really um, with it and are really expert. And I'm just glad that like that's not a secret. It's not like I'm like discover. You know, I think film lovers know these movies are the truth. Yeah. Um. And and they really are. And I love when Halloween rolls around, so we can always always talk about them. <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee 
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. No, Argento is a true artist. Um, and I, I was, I really liked reading. I read some of Jessica Harper's experiences on Suspiria. Cause you watch a movie oh, like me. Suspiria and you're always like, I love Suspiria, but like, what happened? Was it a fucking nightmare? Right, right. This, she said Argento was like, she said it was the most like precise, planned out, well executed, just by the book film shoot she's ever been on. She said, and, and I, I love that because that's what you got to do when you're dealing with this insane fucking horror, I think, content is, is like everything should be very, it should all be, I mean, it should always be this way, but definitely I think with this kind of material, the film shoot should be professional. It should be, it should be like very, you know, respectful of everybody's time and efforts and, and boundaries and this and that. And, and, uh, I don't know if everyone had that experience working with Argento, please contradict me if I'm wrong, but I know Jessica Harper on Suspiria just said it was just a very, just like, it was the most like orderly planned out. He knew exactly what he wanted to do and he did it. That's cool. I mean, these guys made a shit ton of That's movies. It. They were just a ton doing this of television. The yeah. They would remind you of like we talked last week about you know studio filmmakers. They like they come in, they know exactly how to let, make it happen, and they make it happen. Just in this one, they're using different sounds, different colors, um, different uh, you know dramatic. Uh, so they're using horror. You We're know, getting some cool Jessica stuff. Harper love in the in the chat. So I do want to say yeah, uh, what it. an absolute legend, Jessica Harper. Um, she. Uh, she got this role because Argento saw her in Phantom of the Paradise and she turned down, it wasn't Annie Hall, but she turned down a role in Annie Hall to go do Suspiria. That is a fucking really? badass. Yes. You get Suspiria because you did Phantom of the Paradise and you turned down Annie cool. Hall to do Suspiria. That is legendary shit right there. That's um, very so cool. So love Jessica Harper. Um, I don't know what role it was. Maybe it was one of, uh, one of... Alvy Singer's former loves before he met Annie Hall. I mean, must have been. Um, I, yeah, she had been in Stardust Memories, though. Is that before Annie Hall? <sighs> I don't remember. I think uh, it's. I don't remember. Stardust Memories. Stardust, she's really good in Stardust Memories. 1980. No, it's after. It's right after. Annie. Oh, right, because it's all about like we liked your early funny movies, right? right. Okay, yeah. Pretty, uh, so she good. did end up. She circled back and she did Stardust Memories. Whatever. Fuck Woody Allen. We all understand that. But still, she's great. She in is really she good. Does. In it. Um, uh, so let's talk about Suspiria. Came out in 1977. Um, uh, Argento. Um, let's bring up Argento's filmography real quick. Uh, obviously, oh, he'd already done Bird with Crystal Plumage. Um, mm -hmm. uh, this was the first in his um, mother's trilogy. Sorry, one second. I'm not prepared for this. I really apologize. I got a lot of shit going on my computer right now. Um, real quick in his filmography. This is, I mean, yeah, he worked so much. 
he works so much. But he had already kind of established his Jallo aesthetic with like uh, a bird with crystal plumage and movie, totally. Right? That's much more like would remind you of a foundational murder mystery esque. In very good with crazy kills. Uh, a great movie, a great mystery. Bird with crystal plumage and Cat of Nine Tails and Deep Red. The uh, two years before Suspiria, so he is he's really coming into his own with Deep Red and Suspiria back to back in seventy five and seventy seven. Arguably, his two best films come right back to back. And uh, it was written by Argento with Daria Nicolodi, who we'll talk about in a second, and her contributions to the script. It stars Jessica Harper uh, and then some Hollywood A-listers from the Golden Age, Alita Valley uh, and Joan Bennett. Oh, Alita Valley was not uh, American, but was in was in a lot of American and, and British films. She was famously in All My Third Man Heads, no Alita Valley from The Third Man. Uh, Joan Bennett was just one of those glittering stars of Hollywood's Golden Age. Um, Daria Argento is in it himself. Uh, Udo Kier is in a small role. Um, to start off with, I mean, we've already been talking about Suspiria, but one thing to start off is I love Suspiria's commitment to, uh, just overt horror from the first minute you are entering as Jessica gets off, uh, Jessica, Susie gets off the plane. You are entering a world of nightmares, like literally leaving the airport. Everything starts to be sort of ominous, just the way the, the, the um uh the doors the electronic doors are opening and the rain and the taxis and the taxis ignoring her and the wind blowing like she is you are in horror from the beginning of Suspiria mm-hmm. which is very unlike what we see in the faculty and, and I think very unlike the the American horror aesthetic which is like hiding the horror in the everyday hiding the horror in you know an American neighborhood or a seemingly normal American high school so right. right right yeah, yeah it's yeah. always like hiding it hiding it hiding it no, not so um, Suspiria is like yeah. you are in you, you are in the world of horror. Horror is not right. hiding. You know, it doesn't have to hide. It's not like afraid of itself. It is you are entering into a horror yeah. world. Cool. Um, and you get it everywhere. You get it uh, in the music. Um, I mean, the, the the Goblin soundtrack here, Argento obviously was was a, um, a constant collaborator with the band Goblin, the Italian, uh, you know, prog rock, techno band, whatever you want to say, Goblin. Um, and they are at their absolute best with the Suspiria soundtrack. That opening theme, I think, is one of the all-time best, one of the all-time best um, movie themes. Whoa, I try. I love I, the guy. I, Right, and they're literally. I mean, again, I love that he's guy. saying he's screaming the word "witch" in the opening song, and they're telling you like they yeah, don't have to hide the cool. horror because they love the horror. They want like the horror is the point, and so he's screaming "witch, witch, witch" throughout the song. And look, if I didn't have the subtitles on, would I have known that he was saying "witch"? I don't know. Maybe, maybe. I did not know he was saying "witch." The subtitles gave it away. Whoa, whoa, whoa. but he is saying "witch." Sick. It's I a little it. it's distorted. A great, doesn't even need to hear it. It's, um, I get it. It's a horror movie, and it's scaring the heck out of me. And. It is dealing, speaking of the type of horror that we see in, in Suspiria, and, and you know, it's in the soundtrack, it's in obviously the sets, the deep reds, uh, which Argento said he was trying to mimic the reds of Snow White or the aesthetic with kind of sumptuous that, okay. tones of, of, of Snow White. That makes sense. Yeah, and um, uh, but it's like a 70s version of that. It's like that neon version, so it's like simultaneously sumptuous and sort of gaudy at the same time. It's just yeah. that perfect, I mean, it is such like 1970s fucking cool with that like just fucking techno pounding soundtrack for from, from Goblin, the synths just going like crazy. Uh, and then the sumptuous but also gaudy, like neon-y colors, the reds, the deep blues going everywhere. I mean, it's just, you know, the, 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 the sets just are like soaked in those colors. And the sets themselves are insane. I mean, that the sets house, are awesome. The, the Dance Academy is Build just an M.C. Escher kind of like yeah. nightmare house. I love the house. Yeah. It's so beautiful. So much, well, I'll, I'll wait. But I guess what I was going to say is well, I'll wait. I'll wait for you to done your thing before I launch Well, what it. I want to also say is, like, sort of what type of horror do we see in Suspiria? So in, in addition to what we've just said, 
it's also different. it's playing with a kind of what I think is a pretty fucked up old fashioned version of horror, but I think it ultimately makes it work, which is the it's playing with a very old world form of like old world European medieval horror where there are like taboos and the people that like, you know, like a, you know, quote unquote ugly guy who's like a big giant, like an ugly giant is like evil and like old women are evil. And yeah. these kind of it playing on these sort of old like – you know, old. I mean, I think of when uh, you know you go to the Mütter Museum in Philadelphia, which for horror fans, you got to go to the Mütter if you've never been. Um, Five O Birds. It is a. Um, it's like if Ripley's Believe It or Not was like a legit science museum, sort of. I mean, it's like it's 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 basically a a like a a medical oddities museum um, that is looking at all of these sort of. Older, older chapters in medical history, um, and so there's like a wall of skulls, which, which you know, and and all of them are labeled like uh, Romania thief, and you're like, oh, this is kind of like very like eugenics era kind of stuff uh, on display <laughs> yeah, in the movie. But, you can go look at but it. it's all displayed like with a great yeah, uh, a real deal of history yeah. and, and sort of science behind it. But I remember there's some really interesting. Um, uh, exhibits about um, like you know th- there's there's one lady that they profile who was like you know she was called something like the like the 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 witch of Stuttgart or something from like the 1850s right uh, because you know and 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 she was like exiled from her village and forced to live in the woods and everybody thought she was a witch and this or that um, because she had what appeared to be a horn growing out of her head um, but it um, turned out to just be like a calcified tumor they found out like doing autopsies much later on on her body it was just a calcified tumor just no one had the language for it, the science for it and so they think it's a horn they think she's the devil blah 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 the exiler or so on and so forth uh, Suspiria seems to be reaching back over centuries of science back into these these sort of old world medieval taboo sort of forms of horror where like things like age and like not being married and like and like being big and kind of like um you know quote unquote ugly these things uh become the sources of horror and there's no turn those the people like the people that are identified you know that that like it's not like the 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 giant that they call ugly turns out to actually be sweet and kind. No, he's he's the he's one of the killers. He's doing the dirty work for the, for um for for the witch for the witch coven at uh, in the Suspiria house. Um, so it's um it's playing with these old old stereotypes that are very obviously you know that that have just sort of like century on century of sort of you know problematic shit around them. Um, but and then of course all the victims are beautiful young women always right. Yeah, um, horror. But that combined with <clears throat> the aesthetic is so powerfully cool and compelling that yeah, we talked cool. about. The light, the music, this and that, all the kills, the create the creativity. The aesthetic is so powerful that it's sort of it's just it's it's also intentional. It's what they want to do. I mean, this script was in part um, there's two threads that kind of fed in, into this script. There is Dario Argento who is into like the occult and he's, he's, he pulled this whole idea from like a Thomas de Quincey book. De Quincey was one of, you know, the romantic poets in, or he's part of that romantic circle in England with Keats and Shelley and Byron and words, uh, Wordsworth and Coleridge. But he was like deep into hallucinogenics and laudanum and stuff. He's the one that introduced all the romantics to laudanum. And so he wrote this book, um, 
Uh, it has Suspiria in the title. What is it called? Uh, Suspiria de Profundus, which is like all about his experiences with hallucinogenics. And he's sort of writing about his dreams and his memories. And he's basically sort of like inventing oh, psycho- yeah, psychoanalysis. Yeah. He's like talking about all these things that become Jungian archetypes, you know, later on, um, you know, 50, 60 years later. Um, but Argento read this and sort of got a lot of ideas out of this. This is where he got his um, Three Mothers, the idea for his Three Mothers um, trilogy, which Suspiria starts. Uh, and then is continued with Inferno and Mother of Tears. Um, and the idea for that was there were these like sort of evil maternal figures that are s- the sources of all the word world sorrow, and they, they are the mothers of sorrow. He's Italian. Um, yes. And, what you're um, trying to say is he's Italian. Yeah. And uh, uh, so that's sort of what he's feeding into the script. And then his co-writer, Dario Nicolidi, was really into like European fairy tales uh, and particularly sort of the darker European fairy tales, Bluebird, uh, Bluebird, Bluebeard, Pinocchio, Snow White, like I said. Yeah. Um, and so she's incorporating those threads in. And so they are... I guess that's what salvages it for me is that these old world European sort of fairy tale salvages archetypes it. are are I being are being uh, utilized intentionally and then are being combined with this incredibly contemporary seventies like aesthetic of uh, the Goblin soundtrack and the lighting and uh, Italian sunglasses and like it's just so cool. It's just a fucking cool fairy tale. So that it ultimately becomes an exercise in style. And so I don't really worry about you know these like these sort of medieval archetypes that are being used. I do want to circle back. I'm not going to do it right now, but I do want to circle back on on the 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 sort of uh, the the how do we want to say this. Um, Using older women as like the villains, both in the faculty and in this, and particularly using using actresses who were sort of uh, a list glamour actresses earlier in their careers. I want I want to circle back on that uh, because we see it in both movies. Oh, um, but I'm yeah. gonna I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna stop there for now. Well, I can't wait to talk about uh, that because um, older actors that are women that come back to do horror movies and that's one of the great. Choices All right, let's talk of about life. now. Let's, let's talk about, about it now. Time. Okay, great. So we have so in. Um, uh, Suspiria. Yeah. We have um, Joan Bennett and Alita Valley, like we said, who were both. Uh, Joan Bennett was just like you know in all the 1930s sort of MGM movies. She got into a lot of the noir movies. She's in uh, Scarlet Street with Edward G. Robinson, which is an incredible movie. Never seen that. Uh, you, oh, you would love yeah. it. Scarlet Street's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Alita Valley, of course, in The Third Man. Uh, and then the faculty, we have Piper Laurie, uh, yeah. who was in The Hustler and in a lot of movies. Um, that was yeah. <laughs> the faculty is absurd. Or it's like the cast wait, is extraordinary. No, it's better than it's Ocean's endless. Eleven. No, it, yeah. It's insane. It's the cast that like yeah. Christopher Nolan yeah. would get now. Harvey at the like, height yeah. of his powers, yeah. just is, casting oh all God. of Hollywood. Yeah. Um, so here is the pros and cons to me of this sort of um, using older actresses, particularly actresses who had previous careers as sort of, you know, quote unquote, glamour actresses. I'm just using the Hollywood terminology here for this. Here's to me the pros and cons of it. I'll start with the pro. Well, the pro is... The pro is that... Don't you want to watch Actors It's fucking fun as hell. Don't you want to watch Actors Act? It's fucking fun as hell, and it it provides just such a great, uh, like... Uh, it, such such great late career opportunities yeah. for these actresses. So that's what makes it fucking awesome. And In of Suspiria, course, yes, these are these are good movies. This is great, you know. But uh, I'm sorry, I'm listening. And of course, like you know, the originals like Betty Davis and Joan Crawford, yeah, I was going to play Baby Jane, right? Do you not want that movie to exist? Of course you do, right? So the fun, you know, the performances are what is the pro about it. Is the performances themselves and. Uh, uh, the the opportunities that these movies provide these actresses to do something cool and weird uh, in the later stage of their career. That's the pro of it. The con to me is that we are 
what is being communicated to us is, and, and I think this is very intentional, is that we are, because it's not just like, it's not like actresses who have like, uh, you know, been doing like theater their whole lives and were never like marquee names and then show up in something. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the specific, the specific um, trend of using like uh, actual stars, A-list stars um, uh, in the later stage of their career in horror movies. We are meant we are meant to take into account the the change that they have undergone that that time has that you know the natural change that time you know has has uh, that has occurred right we are meant to like see the change in their appearance the aging process as something insidious that something has been like lost or something has been like corrupted or something has like gone wrong inside like or it is like yeah. opened up that the process of aging for women we don't get this with men but the process that that, that that the process of aging for women turns them evil essentially makes them evil and the original i mean you know what was his inspiration for Suspiria? fucking snow white snow white creates the the archetype for this in horror that like an older woman jealous of a younger woman's beauty and that jealousy turns her crazy so what we are meant to like and i almost want to just ignore that because i just like the performances on their own and every actress that we've talked about crushes these performances um but that is the implicit unavoidable suggestion is that in losing quote unquote and again, I'm totally speaking in like the language of tropes and Hollywood movies in quote unquote losing their youth and their beauty or whatever. I mean, all these people are fucking gorgeous in these movies. Lita Valley is fucking gorgeous um, in lo- losing their youth and beauty turns them evil because they can't handle the loss of it is, I think, what the implication is by using yeah. o- like older actresses who were formerly you know, A-list, you know, marquee stars in these these like these horror roles later in their careers. So. It's that's yeah, that's the give and take of it for me. Yeah, that okay. So women in horror, older women in horror, older women in film, these are obviously we could talk about them forever and you know, people have and and, and we should and it's endlessly interesting and fascinating. But Brett, yeah, I think that what you're saying is um isn't it like what could be what could possibly be scarier than aging and dying and your body collapsing and if um and uh yeah women get older too and there's plenty of old this this suspiria doesn't slap me as problematic in you know whatever i mean everything could be it's a horror movie aging and your body failing you and falling apart and turning you into a literal skeleton is scary it happens to men it happens to women now this is the mother trilogy it happening to a woman isn't just like for fun because he wanted to cast a woman it's because he's thinking about women and mothers and um and and you know witches women i what, what i'm saying is like yeah, I don't. I wouldn't dismiss this as like inherently problematic. I no. dismiss it as inherently a movie about women. I guess what I think is interesting about it is that unlike in Snow White, that theme is not made is not really made explicit in Suspiria. You could say that that the witches' coven of so older witches women have like some jealousy of Susie. You could say that. They do remark on how beautiful she is when she comes in. So there's a little bit of it, but it's not it's certainly not as explicit in Snow White. And so what's interesting to me is that it is a it is completely a like subtext to the movie based on the fact that the audience knows that 
Alita Valley and Joan Bennett used to be yeah. these like you know young gorgeous starlets yeah. doing MGM films in the 1930s. So yeah. it's a complete sort of like subtext around the movie that the audience is meant to cuz you know I mean in whatever whatever happened to baby Jane it's a little more explicit. So it is often made explicit, but here to me it's just sort of this implicit subtext based on your knowledge of these uh, uh, actors career arcs. Yeah. I think it, what are you saying though that you're just saying it's interesting, it's bad. I would what say it's it's like because the problem, the ultimate problem is that is that if these themes were like universalized, uh, uh, regardless of gender, then they would become much more easy to accept. Because yes, of course, we all struggle with aging and with like and with the loss of youth and with and with the senses of jealousy towards the upcoming generations. We all struggle with that, but. I don't see men in cinema ever dealing with, you know, if anything, you get like, you know, Harrison Ford gets to like, you know, gets to, you know, they they never, you know, like, like have him deal with that kind of stuff. Um, Yeah. So I think it's just not horror. It is not like implicit. It's a theme that could be universal, but it is not applied, but it's not applied universally. And then it's it's pretended as though like the 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 female characters themselves are like inventing this 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 um this jealousy or this this sense of loss when it's like the the culture itself is reinforcing that the very culture that's making the film is like reinforcing that 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 um yeah. that sense um so it's just like a did you, did you yeah. yeah i love the i love the performances i love that that the you know when when actresses at the end of career at the end of their careers get into horror movies the best. it's the absolute Jessica best Jessica Lang in American Horror Story it's the absolute best absolute best unquestionably it's fucking the best that's what um, i live for I live for older actresses to come back into horror movies. I hear you're right. It just like, does have what you're saying is isn't that it? Like, this interesting like, cultural like, subject. Look to at it. this. That's I mean, worth looking. Which at. is like the most interesting thing about horror. Like we could talk about yeah. the politics of horror like all day, and it is so interesting. But don't sometimes I do think that like, hey, you're right. Like it's sort of irresponsible almost sometimes of these male auteurs to to not only murder these women but have like complete and total uh, philosophical and narrative control over their lives. That makes it scarier sometimes. Very interesting genre. I'm a big fan. Um, and but, I mean, Susie yeah. in Suspiria is maybe not like as full on badass as Sigourney Weaver in Alien, but she, I mean, Susie fucking. She kid kills Susie, all the witches and runs out of the door. Susie solves the mystery. Yeah, burns them all down. Very, like, uses some Sherlock Holmes shit to solve the mystery, figure out where the witches are hiding, and then stabs the, 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 the mother witch of them all. Yeah. Oh, that final sequence. I'm not saying what you're saying isn't true. I'm saying yeah. what you're saying is true. We got to talk about it. And sometimes in good movies, it's an interesting thing to think about. Well, that's the thing. Is ultimately, none of this ends up being a mark against Suspiria no. for me. Yeah. It's just part of the richness of Suspiria that it has some uh, – it just has so – just on the surface – just one, like just this, this unquestionably a great style. Uh, the story is great and tight and is well executed. Um, and then it does have these sort of, you know, I mean, you can't make horror without what, whatever you want to call it, cultural baggage. There's no way to make horror without some kind of cultural baggage. Um, and so I, th- I just think that's part of why horror is a necessary and interesting genre uh, is, is that you also get to examine some of these cultural sort of blind spots and mm-hmm. sort of, you know, um, you know, no the doubt. things that make us afraid is, is no there's, n- there's nothing that gets closer to like the fucked yeah. upness of your cultural era than like the things that make you afraid or the things that have always made you afraid. So there's always, I think that is part of the, the joy of horror. Um, uh, but you do, I think it, 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 it's, you know, it's, it's necessary to have some sort of critical distance on it. Well, it's necessary to have some sort of critical eye on it. Yeah. Like I think that sometimes, um, modern horror directors can almost use 
our um, disgusting, um, uh, what do you call it, like preconceptions or, or sexisms or mm. racisms almost like um, against us for the savvy horror directors. A, a bad, look, we all have seen bad horror movies where the politics are, are dog shit. But sometimes a really smart uh, horror director can use our long-standing cultural um, baggage and ugliness um, against us to make the movie more effective. One of my favorite examples of this, where it is inherently problematic on purpose, is in Sam Raimi's Drag Me to Hell, where the woman who um, comes to get the bank loan is, uh, please excuse me, you know, an old, let's call, you know, Eastern European woman, right? It just loaded with problematic horror yeah. baggage right. uh, who she casts a, a spell on um, the main character and uh, you know she can't escape it a, a curse and it's it's Raimi using our um, our ancient like human baggage uh, against us savvily people could say no you're giving Sam Raimi too much credit that's just problematic um, but it's so brazenly problematic that I think he's wielding it for effect so all I'm saying to this conversation is sometimes modern so this is this is a 70s film and uh, I like that Brett is bringing like this lens to it it's always interesting but like uh, nowadays in our modern times it's interesting to see what our directors do with all of now that we understand what modern conceptions of problem problematic is what do we do about these so about old women in horror movies yeah. you know, older women in horror movies i feel that what ty west does in x um is a uh, far we talk about problematic or offensive where he that movie has an old woman and an old man who like their whole thing is what you're talking about brett did you see the film no the whole thing is the the you know hot Mia Goth and friends yeah. all come to fuck on their farm, and she's so mad because her body's all decrepit right. and she's falling apart, and she has these like awful S similar to House of the Devil too, that his yeah. his earlier one, yeah. Yeah. these hackneyed speeches and like these like awfully unconvincing sort of um, uh, diatribe she goes in about, and she's so mad because she's not pretty and young anymore, and it's so like old fashioned and yeah. and stupid and then also it's played by a young actress in old age makeup because I guess Ty West was trying to you know solve the problematicness of that whole thing where it's like you're a dumb B not the gendered version Ty West you're what's a good you're just you're a wimp you're a wimp um cast fucking an, a badass older actor who's a woman to play your old so Brett what I'm saying That's is a good in point. our modern the, the points old, it's like yeah. fuck like yeah. you're right horror as a genre younger women older women women how are they treated how are they handled uh, inherently you're of course you're right brett like women are always getting the short end of the stick in in the horror uh, genre even though there are examples of men falling apart too but in our with our modern art tours there's sam raimi who's deliberately using our cultural baggage to sort of twist a vicious knife into us in his five-star perfect movie drag me to hell and then there's the ty west with these soft little oh my gosh we can't hire an old woman to play an old woman because then she's going to be sad because then i'm telling her she's ugly so i'll get a young actor to do it so then she can just play the part it's like fuck you if you have something to say about old bodies and young bodies and jealousy and rage and what's been lost and what you can never get back then fucking say it I love that. Very well Sir. said, Joe. Uh, and uh, one of our one of our pals, uh, uh, Sharon, like in the chat says, Suspiria feels a lot less misogynistic than a lot of uh, the other Jallo films. Um, One hundred, and totally agree with that. Totally agree with that. I think, yeah, I think you know, 
Uh, I'm not trying to play gotcha with Suspiria. No, no, I think no, no. I think I just I I think again it's just I'm I'm just trying to get to sort of the bottom of how horror functions and how it works and specifically in this movie. And I do think there is just yeah, I think I'll just repeat what I said before that there's that, that when you are dealing with horror and you're going into these deep wells like Suspiria is these deep wells of sort of ancient fears yeah. um, and sort of, you know, ancient folkloric sort of archetypes, you are just you're you're not going to you're, you're not going to be able to avoid yeah, uh, like a lot of sort of cultural baggage, but it's the way that it navigates that. Um and yeah, Suspiria ultimately I never it was really only sort of when I start st- like stopped and kind of was sort of doing the math on it all and sort of analyzing it. Uh, you could but go the to... experience of watching it in no way feels, you know, yeah, it's a. Yeah. Uh, I'm I not mean, trying to say, dude, what are you talking about? Women in art? That's uninteresting. To me, it's that's like the, most the interesting true, thing in the world. It's the best. It's the best form of, and I don't know if I, I don't know if I want to call it feminist cinema per se, but it, but it, it's 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 to me one of the the the, the sort of best um, uh, types of. It's the one of the best. The best feminist impulse in the cinema to me is like is don't like, don't like, like not to preach about feminism, but just let your female actors have fucking fun in the movie. Let your female actors do. This is the issue I had with Knocked Up. Is that Judd whoa? Ap- no, no, this is. No, I'm look, totally kidding. I'm Judd Apatow's no, no, no. form of feminism is that like is that like women are like now now boys like that's right. not that's not appropriate that's not right and they don't get to joke around they don't the get boss. to have any fucking fun in the movie right mm-hmm. they are the scolds and they are you know um, and we saw it. Um, uh, with the hang- with you know the Hangover as well, right? That whole era of movies, like the you know they pretend that they're like you know we're, we we don't endorse. This is all about you know like man baby behavior, and you know they then they you know have to suffer for it and blah 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 and learn their lessons. But no, they fucking love it. The guys are the ones that get to have fun. The women do not get to have fun. Um, that to me is like is, is just such an anti-feminist impulse in cinema. Whereas like a true feminist impulse is is even if women are being like. Uh, killed and butchered and this and like let them have fun let them have great lines let them have great scenes let them like do interesting things in the movie right that is like letting women into the fun of cinema is like the best feminist impulse in in cinema to me and this and and argento you know does it does it very well in this movie um you know alita valley what she what she was she on set for four days and she gets to be super spooky and witchy and fucking say like so how much fun is that come on now like um, and, uh, uh, Joan Bennett is like, is, is like, uh, that I put, I, I, I tweeted a picture of it on our, on our Twitter account, but when she, and look, I'll be honest, I may have upped the saturation a little bit to just em- <laughs> emphasize the point, but okay. only to emphasize the point that is already, that Argento is already making. She is like tomato red in the like when she when she opens the door and and brings Susie into the dance academy she looks like um red skull from captain america she is like but it's incredible and she's like and she's yeah. playing into it and she like knows that she looks like wild and she's like really having fun with it and milking it like that is that is yeah this movie just is like ultimately um you know, survives all of you know the baggage of these ancient archetypes it's playing with because I think it ultimately knows what it's playing with. It knows the material that it's playing with. Um, it has a great arc for its central character, and it it lets its uh, actors, particularly its older actors, have a lot of fucking fun in the movie. Um, so, um, so you like here here for Suspiria? Oh, I fucking love Suspiria. Right, here's here's my um, I love it. Here's my review or take on Suspiria. Like we've talked about when we did our little Jalo segment, my favorite Jalo director is Mario Bava. I think that Mario Bava has a bit more uh, groundedness or a bit more control while um, the scares are just as uh, scary and the colors are just as um, 
powerful in in Bava films than Argento. Sometimes for me, in Argento films, and it happens a bit in Suspiria, there is a lot of people, this is my criticism, excuse me, there's a lot of people helping Argento succeed. A lot. Namely, let's start off, usually, nine times out of ten, it's Goblin. Goblin, the score writers and his collaborators, they make these movies, man. These scores are like, yeah, his kills are extraordinary uh, and extreme, but the 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 scores do all feel like sometimes I feel like a lot of the heavy lifting. And in Suspiria and in Inferno, um, and this whole like moment of his in the early '80s, these colors are almost like he's shining, like he's like a flashlight and he's putting like a red thing over it and he's just like shining it on mm-hmm. the whole mm-hmm. thing. And it's giving me Snow White and yeah. it's giving me kooky nightmare. But there's something a bit. Um, not slapdash, but like just more childish about it. And I find that like in the Bava films, they're just as colorful, but the color is in the world of the film, like in Blood and Black Lace, one of my favorite movies of all time, where that is a group of women, just like in Suspiria. And that one, they're not at a dance school. They are all models in a sort of like, you know, fashion thing. Like they all work for, you know, Daniel Day-Lewis and Phantom Thread kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And there's a murder and they, all the ladies and all the models get killed. It's so beautiful and so rich. And just like the dance hall in Suspiria is so um, beautiful, the the paintings on the walls, the wallpaper um, is so beautiful. I'll talk about that in a second. Um, But I just find that in Bava films, I'm buying the colors a lot more. And in Suspiria and in Argento films, especially in the early 80s, it's a little bit like, we got it. It's It's like your scene's good enough. The kill is good. Dario, just like take a deep fucking breath and just like give me the scene. I love it. You have Goblin going full tilt for you to sell this thing. Just let them sell it. Sometimes it's a little crazy. Here's what I will say though. I I often wonder if he's like jealous of how good Goblin it like it's <laughs> yeah. like no, that's what he it yeah. feels like he's trying to like compete where he's like oh, he's trying to like I'll take back up the reins the of the movie the a little, bit. A little yeah. bit yeah yeah um or or they're just both like feeding off each other and they're just, just like, like <laughs> mad geniuses i love just, like yeah all right it's probably because it's like there's one scene where like when you see when the uh because we've already established jello they love maggots they love maggots coming in yeah, there's yeah, a scene yeah. where all the maggots are coming down from the ceiling and falling uh-huh. on everything and it's very quiet at first, and Jess- Jessica Harper sees one maggot, then another, then another maggot, and she's like, oh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. And then she looks up, and the ceiling is covered with maggots, and then it's just like, Goblin comes in so hard on yeah. the soundtrack, and then the lights come in, yeah. and then people are running down the hallway, and it is just yeah. like, he loves that, similar to- um, He really he loves those. It. Those it was it, well. It's like Alien. We talked about last week. It's that. It's that. Uh, you know the 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 uh, you know Pixies mode of horror of like loud, fast, loud. Where it's like he loves that. He loves playing with like loud, fast, loud. And it's not. You know he definitely does jump scares. But like the loud, fast, loud isn't isn't usually a jump scare because there's a kind of like rhythm to it that doesn't feel um, like it comes out of left field. Mm-hmm. Um, like the maggots move just feels like a great song that it's like it's like an almost more like a needle drop than a jump mm-hmm. scare. You know he loves mm-hmm. like the needle. Yeah, he does do that. Moments. Um, and I think yeah. they're effective and cool, and obviously that whole synth quality inspires Carpenter at all. And you're right, in mm-hmm. Alien we have, but in Alien it builds. And in Carpenter, he's able to rein himself in because he's adult an adult. Sometimes in Argento, it's like, Dario, like, we got it. Like, your yeah. movie's kooky and crazy, bro. Like, take take a beat. Um, and that's like my one thing with uh, Suspiria and my one thing with uh, just like Argento in general, which is, Fun, 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 fun. Um, but I don't know. Sometimes it's a little, just a little extra, wow. a little poppy, a little Warhol inspired, a little lame. 
So this is this is uh, low, though a true Jallo head, a true horror head. That's saying just, that is me being a yeah. jerk, but yeah. it's just it's, it's how I. No, I love I'm, it. I'm I love sure it. I'm just, to, look, Brett, I'm just trying to be honest. I love the the taxonomy um, of horror. I'm fascinated yeah, by. So you are well acquainted well, with I it. it. Um, and uh, for for someone who's a bit more of a novice in Jallo, though, man, Argento just blows my mind every time I watch so these cool. movies. No, yeah, the, the, he's, I'm he's, not saying Suspiria is bad at all. Suspiria yeah. is fucking cool. I like this though. I'm just saying. Hey, good news. You like Argento? You got more of the mountain to climb, baby. Mario. Baba, one, one more step Baba. up. Blood and black lace, folks. And one last thing I'll say about Suspiria, and I didn't, I don't, guys, I do not want to be this guy. This is not who I want. I don't want my son's father to be this guy. Oh my God. But it just needs to be said. I like the Suspiria remake more than wow. the Argento. I'm not trying to be cool. Wow. I'm not trying to be interesting. I just think it works better. I think, okay, so I can never say his name, even though he's a Paisan from Sicily. Luca Guadagnino. Yes. Yes. I, please excuse me. I have no fucking idea. His new film with Timothy Chalamet is getting the Talky talky. What's that one called? Bones and oh, chewing bones. Bones and rust. Bones no, that was and another lace. one. Uh, something. Yeah. But anyway, his Suspiria with Dakota Johnston and Tilda Swin is fucking awesome. It has a hilarious ending uh, where it takes Jalo to the nth degree. Um, and I think just like post Black Swan, and not to give Aronofsky any credit in the horror field because he is a bum. But wow. Luca is really able to build we like pie. Luca is able to really build on a sort of like the black swaniness while also bringing in plenty of uh, Jalo things. And it makes a much scarier, um, much creepier movie with great, great performances. Really funny. By, he's being by honest. Swinton. He's being honest. I'm being honest. You and know you're being I, honest I like when you don't. He, he's, I don't intentionally, like he's intentionally saying, I don't want to seem this way, but I, I have to tell you the honest. Yeah. I have to tell Nobody, you what's honest. No one wants to listen to a podcast where a guy's like, I actually like Bava more than Argento. And I actually like the Superior remake more than the original. But that's just the fucking he's guy. He's being honest. I'm sorry. But guess what? This is not. Not always just, that uh, podcast. Not it's always. Not always that podcast. Sometimes but right now it is. Right now it's not because right now we're honest. Before we get to the faculty, Joe, the new king of segments. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Make way for the new king of segments. Come on, man. Joe, take it away. What do you got? Well, you know, last week, folks, I peppered you with a couple. What else am I watching this Halloween seasons? And I wanted to just bring you a couple quick reviews, Brett. If you've seen any of these films, go ahead and uh, and 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 go ahead and stop me. I like and, the role reversal here. You put me on my toes. I put you on your toes. That's right for for, for spooky season. Also, it comes with a bit of an announcement. <gasps> it's a gentle announcement, but one I hope that you enjoy. And famously, Brett is wonderful at social media. Brett is a great user of Twitter. He's great at the double threat Twitter. He's great on lots of no Instagram. Biggie. He makes funny videos and such. And everybody says, not that they want me on social media, but just like, why isn't Joe pulling his weight? Which is like, good point. Okay? It's suspicious that you're it's, not it's, on there. It's fine. Yeah. But you've been looking for your platform. I've been looking for my platform. And since this is a movie podcast, and since all I do is sit around and watch movies, I thought it would be fun if I got on Letterboxd. <gasps> Joe's on Letterboxd, or he's gonna be on Letterboxd. I'm, I'm on Letterboxd now. So for Twitch streamers, it's Monday. So you can get, you can go search. I guess you could just search Joe Cilio. You'll find me by Wednesday when the show comes out. I'll have it kind of like set up and understand it a bit. Here's my goal on my Letterboxd: have some fun, talk to y'all about movies, follow you guys, 
see what you're watching. I'm, I haven't reviewed the Bergmans yet. I'll like get my Bergmans list in there, kind of what I'm watching for Halloween. Well, we'll get some Halloween movies in there. Do some reviews and such. And then later on, Brett, this is what I'm really excited about. I love talking about movies, but I kind of like writing about movies like a ton. I want to do some reviews, and I want to do some fun runs. Maybe we'll watch a bunch of John Ford movies do a run. Maybe we'll watch a bunch of... Who knows? Uh, what's some uh, Judd Apatow movies? Whatever. Uh, I'm just kidding. But we we we're do some fun runs. Maybe we watch some run. watch some westerns. Blah blah blah. But I'd like to talk about film with you guys on Letterbox. It's my new thing. Thank you for the plug. Follow me on Letterbox. Joe Cilio is my name. Reviewing movies is my game on Letterbox. We'll put his link to Letterbox in the show notes uh, when the podcast comes out. Click on that. But how do they find your Joe Cilio on Letterbox? I'm not sure how you find someone on Letterbox. I assume you just search users Joe Cilio. Uh, my little moniker. It's Joaquin Phoenix with his tinfoil hat from Signs. So you can. That's that's me. Follow me there. I do have a little review that I'm going to spoil now. So this is sort of... Sorry, I'm just coronating the new king of Letterboxd. <laughs> I thought the climax was going to come just, in earlier. I just want to talk to Bergman's heads about film. I want to see what you guys are watching. Get some new wrecks from y'all. Thank you very much. So just a little peppering of what you might get on Joe's Letterbox. A quick rundown like I did last week. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, hold, yeah. On, hold on, we're about to get to the climax. Okay. Long live the king of Letterboxd! It's, Bow before him! It's fun. It's like a social media just for movies. Bow before his lists! I know it's been out for a decade. I just I never really figured his it out. His commentary, his astute commentary. It's just fun to talk about. I don't think I'm I'm just offering fun. Bow, you fools! Bow! Just for fun. So follow me and I can't follow you guys, and then you I can see what movies you're watching and I can go, oh my gosh. She loved that. I think I'll check it out. I can't wait. I can't wait. Um, Was I peeking, Brian? Um Anyway, I'm very, very excited uh, no. uh, to, for, to, for some Letterbox fun. We'll talk about Letterbox more Thanks, on this. Thanks, baby. Um, real quick for my segment, guys, some movies I've watched and just some quick thoughts on them. I won't, I won't belabor the fact, but let's just get into it. Uh, you're not going to love them because uh, it's tough. Basically, guys, everybody's telling me it's a banner year for horror, <laughs> and I just – I like some of these films, but like, let's all get a hold of ourselves – um, I've got I've had some text threads with Joe that will never be revealed that are just I mean Joe is not happy with the state of horror right now. <laughs> no, Joe no, I, is not no, happy. I, I'm very happy that everyone loves it. I'm happy about a lot of stuff, a lot of the energy, and I love. But I the want you to community. love it too. Well, I love I love a lot of horror movies, but it's just not like not every single one's a winner, folks. My first little review, Brett. Did you watch the new Hellraiser? I haven't yet. I've been reading everyone's commentary on it though. I kind of like I I you know it's like I tell you what something comes out. And everybody, ha everybody is sort of saying it. This ain't it. This ain't it. I'm saying great. One less thing for me to watch. <laughs> okay, great. Well, I can. I take people's yeah, uh -huh. commentary seriously. Mm -hmm. I actually, I love the, I love commentary culture. It helps me avoid things that are probably going to be a waste of time. So I don't know. Everybody, everybody's saying Hellraiser is a waste. of I time. I want to hear from the chat if there's a Hellraiser fan out there. This movie is a fucking zero. It absolutely Ooh, wait, stinks. Jessica Who, says she liked the new Hellraiser. Oh, okay. Well, that's cool. Well, I'm, lots of people I respect also And if like I remember correctly mm -hmm. from other conversations, Jessica is a Hellraiser stan and knows the franchise Great. really well. No, so lots I would of people, love to hear more about that. Lots of people I respect are enjoying the new Hellraiser film. To Jessica and to others, here's what I'll say. Guys, we don't get pinhead till an hour and seven minutes into the film. And I'm glad that the last 10 minutes was like kooky Hellraiser fun. But give me a body without skin, like in the first 10 minutes of your Hellraiser reboot. Yeah. That's just me. I wasn't feeling it. Guys, also thin addiction allegories. Too much budget. Probably. Out! 
out. Never want to see it again. If you have a thin addiction allegory in your horror film these days, just forget it. Just cut it. Don't worry about it. We will, we will, we will figure out our own way in. We do not need it. Um, that's my own Hellraiser. But if Jessica uh, likes it and other people that I respect like it, definitely check it out. Especially saying, if, you're, uh, if you're Hellraiser. It wasn't person. as bad as some of the others. I mean, that's the thing is that franchise falls off a cliff. No a doubt about point, that. So maybe this is a I, little bit of a return. This to is form. also one of those things, guys, where I like my. It was Wednesday night, and I was like, "Is the new Hellraiser out yet?" No. Thursday night. Oh my god, is it out? No. Thursday. I stayed up till midnight. It's like it's out. It's out because it was Friday. I was so excited. I love Hellraiser. I love Hellraiser two. I was so disappointed. Um, whatever. Um, next film, Brett. This is one you saw. I'd love to hear your. Yeah, I watched the Black Phone on Peacock this ah, week. Ah, yes, Black Where, Phone. What did you think of Black Phone? Love Black Phone. Love Black Phone. Love, uh, I love Blumhouse doing its thing. I love Ethan Hawke just digging into. Um, you know what? Do the, what we were talking about earlier, the trope of older actresses uh, in horror movies, uh, uh, their anxieties about aging and loss of youth is what turns them evil. Ethan Hawke will do that shit in a second. <laughs> Give Ethan Hawke one of those roles. I would love to see that. Mm-hmm. I would love to see, like, you know, um, you know, whatever. I mean, because, you know, think of, like, and then you could, like, do that thing where you flash up, like, um, B-roll footage from, like, before sunrise, you know, that was never used. That's to show, like, what he looked like when he was younger. That's cool. And he's got some hot guy is, like, sort of take, taking, you know, is, okay. like, making him feel. Like, give like Blumhouse, there's your next movie, is, mm. like, Snow White, a Snow White parable uh, 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 gender reversed with Ethan Hawke as the as the evil uh, queen. That's what I want to see next from Blumhouse. That's that great. has nothing to do with Bl- uh, Bl- no. Black Phone, which I liked a lot though. I love it. Um, I liked. It. I mean, it's like it's what Blumhouse does. They 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 just right. execute um uh fairly low budge horror really yeah. well because they know how to use space. They know how to use. They know how to make. They know how to use every inch of a fucking house, every inch of a set. Um, I um I will say, really. Um, I get really affected lately by, uh, by like, you know, I mean, always, obviously, but lately very affected by child kidnapping things. And I'm not saying that, sure. I'm not saying that it like, it, it, it uh, is scary. It, it, it just, in, it just in, in re- enriches the horror for me because yeah. it's a, it's a very, it's a thing that I yeah. think about a lot that is very yeah. horrifying to me. So I will say, um, it is. Uh, it Since was, this is a letterbox yes. segment, how many? Sta- how many? Sta- you, I'm going to get next week. I want you to announce your letterbox. Got to do it. it together. It'll be fun. I but, mean, I've been doing the Bergman's letterbox. Oh, cool. Yeah, uh, but that's, that's just our canon, our trash you, yeah. canon, and, okay. and purgatory. Uh, Black phone is not scary, says Josh Siebert. Yeah, it's not I guess scary at all. again, like I, I just, I really like, I, I, you know, the, the specific thing of like the, you know, kidnapping. Yeah. I don't know. It's, 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 it's scary to me right now. Yeah. Um, I liked Ethan Hawke's performance. It was it was kooky <laughs> sure. and weird and scary. Uh, I got no issue with Black Phone. I also wasn't going into it. This is what I like about Blumhouse. It's like not every fucking movie, you know not stink. every fucking movie has to be like like award season fucking buzz. And then you've heard you've you, there's all this Fine. fucking bills. Don't worry, darling. Bullshit. Fine. Blumhouse is like you want to see a movie. Here's a movie. Here's a horror movie. And that's what it felt like. It was like here's yeah. a movie. Here's and a it movie. was not a you're yeah. right, a listener. Uh, it's not. It wasn't. Really I like that scary. from Blumhouse. I like that. I like. I like a, a movie where it's just sort of some basic ex- expectations of a yeah, horror movie. I know, but as I'm, I'm, I'm. Listen, Blumhouse, A24, sort of our pillars of our communities, falling off, fam. I kind of need the Blumhouse community. The, Everybody's the, the falling to off. Pick it up. Everybody's falling off. Not necessarily. Well, I guess that's kind of my thesis. But there everything are some people, is falling off. No, no, no. Look, the movies are I, shit the, right now. But you have Ethan. Okay, look, Scott Dickerson. 
and Robert Cargill. And they work with Ethan Hawke on shit, Sinister. And they're making us pay for it. Sinister, though not perfect by any means, is a scarier, funner movie than this new effort, Black Phone. All right, Josh Seabird's shaming me for being afraid of. He says, I told my kid that kidnapper, the, the kidnapper was named the Grabber, and my kid laughed and laughed and laughed. <laughs> it is well, a, when you put it like that. Yeah, it, it, yeah I don't know. So I, I like this team, and they did Black Phone, and the mask was so scary, and I was so scared. It, the movie isn't scary. It doesn't really like work. Ethan Hawke is a great actor who I love, but again, Scott Dickerson's obsessed with these like ghost kids. Does not work. Ghost kids not scary. Bad. Ghost kids a bad movie. I don't you, like the you, supernatural. You want you want your kids to be stolen. You watch your prisoners, an amazing movie. You watch your split, oh, an amazing prisoners, movie. Terrible. The ending Shamla. of prisoners. Are you kidding me? Prisoners is legit. Split's legit. Black Phone out. I think Prisoners is Villanueva's uh, best movie. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, yeah, Me and yeah. you see eye to eye on yeah, that I one. Think it's, no, it's the best. best. It's a five star because it's the only movie that digs deep. Everything else is just is just it's a, fucking it's amazing, just dude. A, everything else is just aesthetics to me, and the rest of his canon is just Man, all you're aesthetics. You're singing my right? favorite song. I mean, I put Sicario maybe second to be honest. I agree, right? Because me and you are aligned. These are the only movies that are like have like a visceral fucking gut punch to them. Everything else is just like, oh, I'm, I'm they're good. Watching the best storyboards I've ever seen they're in my good. life for three hours. I agree with you. Me and you are some potty going on that one. Cheers to that. And then my, my last one of the week, yeah. this is a wreck. This is a wreck for all you wreck heads out there. It is on that 80s collection I keep mentioning. Uh, Near Dark. Never saw it before. <gasps> Catherine Bigelow's Near Dark. I love Near Dark. That's What'd a film. Think? That's, isn't that a fucking film? That's a fucking film. Near Dark is so fun. But Near also Dark like rocks. Also like hits. It fucking like really like, it hits some nerves, but it's, it's so fun. Great. But it like, it never, it like gets to the edge of kitsch but never quite never. goes into kitsch and maintains it sort of like this sort of like visceral starkness to it yes. you know in the plot yes. oh what a balancing act near dark is near yes. dark fucking rules and Couldn't bill more. oh my god bill paxton rap what a fucking he's so fun the movie's movie. so good catherine bigelow's great yeah. the movie's like better than your standard action fare it's deeper than your standard vampire fare it's never boring it's very scary it's sparse it's about some of my favorite uh thinking about america i love a movie Focusing on the liminal areas of America, yes, the, a Western the aesthetic. Stations, Give me a Western aesthetic and a horror hotels. movie every day. Of this the movie's week. gritty, grimy, right. um, and wonderful. I love Near Dark. Anyway, Brett, Near Dark guys, rules. follow me on Letterbox. Not because I'm trying to build a big Letterbox thing, but because I am really excited to be able to blast my opinions about movies into the phone, morning, noon, and night. And I hope uh, I want to hear your opinions too, and then we can all learn and talk to each other. And I'm just very excited about Letterbox. I'm 10 years late. It's going to be fun. I'm sure you're you're all on it, and you're like, this guy's an idiot because it's 2022. Long live the new king of Letterboxd. Follow think, him on Letterboxd. So yeah, is it boxed? Because it's that weird D at the end. Why did they yeah, do letter, that? I don't know. I have no idea what it means. All right, faculty. All right, uh, the faculty. Um, I thought for a little bit, I was like, "Ooh, is the faculty gonna go in my uh, weekend of Bernie's?" Predator category of movies that I really did not have high expectations are, but but then uh, for that but surprised me. Um, here's what I'll say: The Faculty was a classic case of a movie that was uh, better in a lot of ways than I thought it was going to be. Um, that I had remembered it. Um, I'm pretty sure I saw this movie. I don't know. This would have been like you know, this would have been a sophomore, junior year in high school for me. This, but but I'm pretty sure I saw this when it came out. Um, but I had no, really had no memory of it. Um, but uh, I. It was better in ways, uh, better than I thought it was going to be in certain ways. And then in the final analysis, particularly the way it resolves itself at the end, was like really bad in, in ways that I was not even expecting it to be bad. Um, and 
So I want to start with what I like about it. Um, well, hey, let's say uh, the faculty came out in 1998. Uh, and again, like we said at the beginning, you could not get more 1998 than this movie directed by uh, Robert Rodriguez. Um, who, Hot off uh, Dawn to Dusk. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Robert Rodriguez was was doing the damn thing. Uh, the Austin scene with with Linkletter, but was more in the sort of Tarantino camp in, in terms of style. Of course, they worked on Dawn to, to Dusk together. Um, and uh, this was it was it was the eventual writing credit went to Kevin Williamson, who famously wrote Scream. Right, the yeah. started the Scream All franchise uh, two years before this. Um, but it was a story. It was originally uh, concocted in 1990 by these two guys, David Wechter and, and, and Bruce Kimmel, um, who were sending it around Hollywood. No one was biting. Um, but then the classic Hollywood thing, as soon as Scream hit big in 96, 97, whenever Scream came out, then suddenly it's like, you know, after Pulp Fiction, these waves where it's like Hollywood is like, I need more Screams. I need more Pulp Fictions. Who was Scream? So the faculty was in that, in that post-Scream wave of a lot of like teen, like hot teenage actors in horror movies that had a sort of meta awareness to them or a sort of wink and a nod thing um and so they took this story the faculty they gave it to kevin williamson and they said do it do the scream thing do the scream thing to the faculty uh, and who's but, saying what, that what, like, you, the weinsteins of course I right you, yes yeah the, that's fine but yeah. in your thing make sure you tell me what like why how this movie reminds you of scream uh, it's actually my least favorite part of the movie uh, not not surprisingly because it's like it it is i think um just sort of a um it's well. It's. I'll just say. Go ahead and say. It. It's like. It's like the little uh, meta horror moments when? when they are comparing it to Invasion of the Body Snatchers oh. and they're using the plot of Invasion okay. of the Body Snatchers to like figure out what they should do in this. I see. You know, which I is then like you know Stranger uh, Things does wow. with D and D and everything. Scream though. No, does not. That's my least favorite part. Yeah. I was like, because I loved when it was just like. When I was like, "Oh, this is like Invasion of the Body Snatchers," and when and like the worst right, thing ever is when yeah. you have that awareness and you're like, "Oh, cool," and then the characters are like, "This is like Invasion of the Body Snatchers." Like, shut up! Right. You don't know that. <laughs> I know that. You don't, you're trying to survive the thing, mm -hmm. but they 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 go into a whole thing anyway. We'll talk about it. Um, so. They gave it the Weinstein's. They say they, they were digging through the damn slush pile for another scream. They found the faculty. They threw it at Kevin Williamson. They said, "Do another scream." Kevin Williamson tries to do another scream, and it's the faculty. Um, starring this cast, though, holy shit, holy shit! Did Hollywood come running to the faculty? Um, we got, we got. Dawn Josh Hartnett was hot. Yes. Harvey at his height of his powers at Miramax. And look, I don't hate the script. I, I see where they what they're coming for. A fun little horror movie, fun little set pieces. We'll get into You're it. You're so gracious. Uh, Josh Hartnett. Well, look, it's the mainstream movie. It's judged by slightly different criteria than the art house movie. I think for a mainstream movie, there's a lot to like about this movie. Okay, I'm listening, bro. Uh, Josh Hartnett, Clea Duvall, Jordana Brewster, Sean Hattesey, Famke Jansen, Piper Laurie are are uh, actors from previous generation there, um, mm. like in like in uh, Suspiria. Mm. Uh, B.B. Newworth, Robert you. Patrick from T2, Usher Raymond. This was Danny to... Masterson, don't you forget the... Sorry? Danny Masterson's in this movie. Oh my God, Danny Masterson. Don't forget yeah. all of the freaking Sci sex criminals One, one of Scientology's film. top 10 sex it's criminals. It's important to know this is just like, a, this is a film for and by sex criminals. <laughs> they definitely have some sort of wall in there in Scientology with the, just the the rankings of their top 10 sex criminals. <laughs> um, Danny was was gunning for that number one spot. Awful. Um, Awful. Terrible person. Awful. Uh, Usher, so Usher, because I was like, Usher, Usher also movie. has sort of a smaller role. Yeah. He's like very, and you know, he, he goes by Usher Raymond, full 
name. And so I was like, where? Because it's like it's hard to remember when Usher wasn't famous. Yeah, so I, yeah. I went back and I was because like I was a huge Usher fan. He's from Atlanta, baby. Right? He wears he wears the he wears the uh, Atlanta baseball hat in the in the uh, yeah video. I mean, we love we love Usher, right? So. Um, this was his second album. Literally came out this year, so this was the big breakout Usher mm. year. Was uh, was my way? Is it my way? I don't know. Whatever his second. No, no, no. Yeah, Brian. What's Usher's way. big famous song that we all know and love? Well, there's so many. There's climax. Uh. There's yeah. Um, there's uh, I think it's my way. I think, yeah, it was my way. Had just come out. Yeah, I had this album. I bought this on CD. You make me wanna, baby. You make me wanna was one of his first big singles. Uh, I, I was wondering, like, there's just zero percent chance Usher's famous at this point because he's so underutilized. He, had, he's, like, he the was biggest breaking, star in the world. He was like, breaking. He was breaking. And I will say, uh, I was, and this partly just coming from Atlanta and sort of everything was sort of in the ether a little bit more. But like, I was a little bit ahead of the curve on Usher. Mm. I got, I got my way. Like the week it came out, there's nothing that Atlanta voice, guys like to do more than like you guys. Like you rep your own, which is admirable, but you never let From us Philly, all forget you know that. This. You never let us forget. Well, we have to fight for because especially we don't, for you know, your rappers and your yeah. musicians. It's just Absolutely. like we got it. You're from Atlanta. Like, uh, that's good. Macon, Georgia, baby. All right. Smallish, medium-sized town in middle of Georgia. In the middle of Georgia. Guess what Macon is responsible for? Who came out of Macon? Little Richard, Otis Redding, the Allman Brothers. That's fucking insane. That's one fucking town. That's insane. I'm that's just, just Macon. I, I love it. I'm just saying. Can we Athens? You, you I can bring up Athens. Let us forget it. That's beautiful. I love that. That's great. Usher, Usher Salma uh, Hayek, so John Stewart. Thank you, John Stewart. Oh John my Stewart's God. in this film. He gets a kill. All right, Brett, give me. Come on, right. tell me what you Let's think. Let's talk the about faculty. the faculty. Um, here is what I like about the faculty: is take me back to the golden age of '90s high school movies, where high school was just a lawless hellhole, <laughs> an absolute hellscape. What a miserable yeah. fucking place this yeah. high school is! It is just a, a true, it is awful, true to to fucking shithole. Nobody bad wants to, go to be school there. In the 90s. Oh God, I love it though. I love high school You're as sick. I love high school as like you know. Like, you know, whatever. God bless Booksmart, et cetera, et cetera. But, like, can we just preserve the trope of you, high school okay, you want as, the, ha, as a mean just girls. atrocious fucking yeah. hellscape battleground in which, you know, yeah. you're, you know, um, uh, 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 the, you know, I just, I, 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 I love, I, I love that trope. It's so, it's just so essential to like to teenage movies to me is the idea of high school as this, you know. But the faculty is is very cynical with it. This is a, this is a truly, truly disturbing place to go to go to school. Um, not even because of the aliens. Not even because of the aliens. But that's what I like though, is because they establish. They give they, they they create a basis for the violence okay. by like okay. these st- everybody wants to kill each other already before mm-hmm. the aliens start inhabiting uh, everybody. So look, look, faculty is just an invasion of the body snatchers movie in a high school in the late nineties. Aliens come down, they start inhabiting teachers' bodies, and then they move into students' bodies and they're trying to take over the whole town. That's literally the whole plot. And then some of the students figure it out and they fight back. Blah blah blah. So the basis of like. Malice and hate, though, is already there. So that when John, like when Josh Hartnett, the moment he realizes that John Stewart, the science teacher, has become an alien, the glee with which he rips that pa- that the the arm of that paper cutter off, the glee, yeah, the glee like in his that. eyes, like, oh, this guy's an alien. Meaning, I can, I can, I can hack this dude to 
bits. I can do. I can. I have carte blanche here, yeah. and it's all because it's already been established that everybody in this school they hate each other because they're all in the same circle of hell. They're all inhabiting the same circle of hell, but they all think they are better than that circle of hell. And so I'm, I'm swaying him. I'm you doing, are. I'm swaying Joe. They I all like. Think, I like. See, this is why you got to get on Letterbox. I'm going to come. Swaying I'm, I'm going I'm I'm yeah, to yeah, come, yeah. come around to the other side. Tell though. me about this. All right. Yeah, it's so, not, it's not good but they're all in the same circle of hell. They all think they're better than in certain ways. Like Sean Hattesey, in a way, is the classic. Uh, Hollywood archetype like Emilio. There's a lot of Breakfast Club archetypes here. Sean Hassey is the Emilio Avestivez. He's the jock, but he doesn't want to be. He wants to be more than a jock. But the way they describe it, it's a, it's a scene you've seen before, but the way his like speech where he's explaining that, they have some additional nuance where Sean Hattesey basically is starting to do the math in his head of what it means to be a high school jock, and he's starting to realize that he is on a terminal like trajectory that he has he's got one more glory year in high school and then if he if his whole thing was just being a jock then he probably is is looking at like diminishing returns uh whereas he's like all right i gotta stop being a jock i gotta start studying i gotta start being smart so i can have like more of there's there's more that i can do when i get out of high school or i have more there's more opportunities for me and he's doing this math out loud and his uh girlfriend jordana brewster um says, uh, and what am I supposed to do? Well, you're on a yellow brick quest for a brain, which is quite a fucking, there's a lot of put downs in this movie, but he, she, and then she said, she's like, no, 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 you, and she literally speaks in the language of like high school movies. She's like, no, 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 I am this person. You are this person. Therefore we date and you're on the football team. And then that's that. And then after high school, I don't give a fuck. You're on your own. But like, he is trying to like be better than the genre and think ahead. And she's like, no, 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 no. You're a character in a high school movie. You do this. So and that's the kind of meta I like where it's not explicitly meta. It's not clay of all being like, here's what happens in invasion of the body snatchers. Here's how we solve this. Um, it is sort of implicitly meta and a, a char- character seeming to sort of recognize that they're in a genre movie um, and and sort of trying to break out of the genre or reinforce the genre in different ways. Uh, Josh Hartnett sells a drug called Scat, which he keeps in ballpoint pens, and it's just Coke, I think. It's just like cheap Coke. Or, or, it's, or it's like, <laughs> or it's like ground-up no, Adderall or isn't something. Isn't it like caffeine pills? It must be ground-up caffeine pills. That's what he says at one um, point. It's like it's ground-up caffeine pills. I wonder oh, if does. there was okay, something more because it was like, okay, so what kills the aliens is caffeine? The funniest plot point ever. What? The funniest plot point ever is when... The so Josh Hartnett's like homemade drug scat becomes the determining factor of whether or not you're an alien. So the whole second half of the movie, because they find out that the aliens like, like, can't, luckily, like luckily aliens his like can kills the aliens. Alien, right. but it is such like a, War of the Worlds. Luckily, germs killed the aliens. But so talk luckily, about sort right. of like subtext and implicit messages. What a hilarious message for a high school movie to have to be like <laughs> to be like. You're right. If you're cool, you could do scat. <laughs> like, if you can't do scat, you're you're clearly an alien. Uh, it's like a weird. It's like a very like pro drugs like message. <laughs> it really it's is. It's really funny. it saves them. Yeah, it saves them. No, they use his ballpoint pens full of scat become like the <laughs> determining like that's like the MacGuffin in the movie. That's that's yeah, how that he like the... they distinguish if you're an alien and they also like save themselves by like plunging it into the Elijah Wood literally at the end of the movie plunges a ballpoint pen full of scat into the alien's face and it dies. And it dies. Um speaking of incredibly creative use of the high school uh uh um setting for all of the horror action sequences and kills. Uh we have we we mentioned Josh Hartnett rips the arm off of the paper shredder with the which like cuz you realize too there's so many things in a high school environment that are inherently scary. The the paper cutter is a t- 
te- ter- it's a guillotine. It's a terrifying device. Those old, I don't even, they can't, there's no way they have them in schools anymore. Those things were terrifying. Oh, you know, kids these days, they probably don't have nothing in these right? schools. Bro. But those, but, but I mean, good, because it literally a, a fucking guillotine, the only purpose of which was so, to like do you, cut do, paper. Yeah, it's do, you, do, bulk. Re- do you remember how satisfying that thing was, though, when you it cut was the paper? When you heard that, oh, that is so satisfying. It's like, I, I bet there's a good ASMR of that. Anyway, Brett, holy shit, you're really, like, right, you're right? really fucking playing the violin of the faculty here. So, oh, I like this. Uh, the paper shredder, pens and pencils are being used. and the, But the best of all is the final scene when Elijah Wood is escaping the alien. This, I was truly terrified by high school. The way that the um, yes. seats in a uh, in, in the in the basketball gym, those collapsible seats where they all like go back like this, right? They go back like they, like a xylophone almost, or not a xylophone, I'm trying to say, accordion. They're like accordion seats. Yeah. Um, the bleachers. But the bleachers. But they go all the way back against the wall and they're collapsing, meaning if you are back there behind the bleachers, you could get crushed to death. Jallo style in an elevator, <gasps> baby. You get crushed. I. It's like, and then they use that. It's such a subtle thing to use but I was like no I had when I was in high school I remember being terrified of the seats and being like man if, if anybody was back there when they do that they'd get crushed and they'd get crushed like a like a pea mm-hmm. so a lot of like turning the high school environment into a horror movie fodder they do very well they're very creative with it um, holy shit that Friday night football sequence when they when they roll up on the Friday night football game and it's like apocalypse now because the football team is like completely alien to this point so they are just like I mean yeah Destroy. They are like brutalizing the other team. Uh, there is like fireworks, like fiery fireworks going off, insane sort of pyrotechnics uh, that I guess is part of like celebrating a touchdown or something. But literally, when they roll up, it feels like they're they're entering like you know uh, Kurtz's lair in Apocalypse Now. It's a very dark, like like making high school sports into this like arena of just horror and violence was very effective there, and I loved it. Um, uh, also, the character of I, I'm, I'm, now I'm like really trying to see how close I can get you here. Um, uh, the character of Famke Jansen is very interesting because she is one of the teachers. Because all the teachers look, the teachers are um, portrayed as like miserable and nihilistic, and the school has no budget. Which is there's some definitely some education kind of commentary going on. Gen- the whole school is, the whole school is underfunded, um, and every all the teachers are fucking miserable, um, and none more than Famke Jansen who. Um, she starts out playing her character as very like kind of just almost just like defeated and like she's basically in class being like come on guys can I get an answer to this question very much like that just like a teacher is very defeated um but then on her chalkboard is a sign that says kill your television that she had clearly put there as like a decoration and I was like oh so Famke Jansen was like one of these teachers who like came into it with like sort of like a punk attitude like I'm gonna come here and like tell these kids what's what and I'm cool and I know what cool shit is but we're seeing her now like five years later but that sign was such an interesting element so I was like oh so she used to be like kind of like came in like harder and then when she gets taken over by the alien it turns her into like an asshole, but it also kind of makes her more badass and have more agency. And so I like the idea that like the alien taking over you was not necessarily making you some mindless killer. In a way, it was sort of. They're and for some happier. people, you're realizing your full potential. No, for so many of them. Yes, right? like I was. Yeah. I, that is so. That is so true. Like for all of them, they're like. Be an alien, like there's no you, you're strong, you feel great, like there's no problems, everything's done. The aliens keep selling everybody on like how much better it is. And it's one of those things where like, yeah, like I was I, I did think many times, like, okay, just become an alien. It seems it seems so much nicer than the miserable existence that you live. I loved just seeing these students and teachers just fucking 
trying, just like going at it in the classroom, just stabbing each other and just trying to kill each other. It was like, wow, like making high school into a complete hellhole in which, and look, all of this is figurative. It's a fucking horror movie. I'm not a fucking sadistic person. I, of course, would not want this to happen <laughs> in real life. Um, just your your reaction, maybe, you know. But as a figurative horror uh, premise, I really like the idea of these generations, because we talked about with Prime Minister Gene Brody. Yeah. Um, we Spider. talked about, you know, the school as being a battle, a generational battleground, as not a, a place, you know, when it works, it's one generation facilitating the next generation's maturity, right? When it doesn't work, it is one generation trying to prevent the next generation's maturity, to stifle them, to, because of uh, jealousy or fear or anger or regret, right? And then that generational relationship becomes a battleground. It becomes two generations fighting against each other. One that is trying to control the other, one that is distrustful of the other. So I thought when it was really digging into that, like high school is this generational battleground um, where the adults primarily are literally taken over by aliens and are this like uh, amorphous sort of uh, uh, evil authority, uh, you know, um, uh, figures. Um, I like that a lot. And then when it allowed those two sets of people to just fucking go at each other and have these big violent sequences where they're hacking John Stewart's fingers off and they're stabbing him in the face and this and that. And and like Josh Hartnett, I mean, Josh Hartnett's character was so down for violence. He was just yeah. begging for it. He blows he, the principal's head off he for, blows, without he, really he, he kills knowing the, she's an alien. He does that and then he... Um, just at, 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 on the premonition that she's an alien. He, based he's on this, ready like, to rock system. and roll. He has a gun. He, he's got the scat. He, he wanted he's, this. He, he wanted this it, world. Yeah. Josh Hartnett wanted yeah. this world. And he it's, thrives. He thrives. He doesn't want to go back. You know, he, I mean, at the end, they show him happy. But we know when Josh Hartnett was happiest. It's when he's driving his, 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 his fucking muscle car around around the parking lot with alien Famke Jansen in it. Yeah. And then he just drives straight into yeah. a bus because she doesn't have a seatbelt on. And she flies through yeah. and there's flames. Hartnett is living yeah. when it's alien world. He's pretty good. He is living in this movie he's got his scat he's killing teachers <laughs> he is hard it could not be happier in this movie um what i did not like about this movie i already said the, the meta stuff i was like oh boring 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 yeah, it stinks. um don't like like you got and the thing is like you don't need it you guys are cruising the movie grinds to a halt in that scene where they stop and talk about the invasion library, of body yeah, snatchers it, it grinds to a halt this movie is cruising stop slowing it down uh, the big problem of this movie, though, was holy shit, the treatment of the Clea Duvall character and of sure. like queerness in the late 90s. Yeah, it's a homophobic um, movie. It is in ways that I was not expecting. Because here's, here's the way this goes. So, um, and. And we all know now Clea Duvall as as a as a you know real icon of queer cinema. She's still two years away from doing uh, um, uh, But I'm a Cheerleader, um, in, in which she will explicitly play a gay character. But in this movie, um, we are initially told that uh, Clea Duvall's character, because uh, she's kind of got a goth aesthetic and she's like an outcast and a bit, but like everybody's kind of an outcast in this movie in different ways um but we are initially told that she's that she's gay and at first i was like okay great like a gay character in the faculty that's you know kind of ahead of its time and for a mainstream movie in 1998 uh and like a a, a fully realized character who's like a main character of the thing but then it turns out that she just is telling people she's gay so they'll leave her alone. She's like playing, she's like utilizing the homophobia of the culture to just get people to leave her alone. Um, but then they were like, 
they were so there's this hilarious character who like is a transfer student from the south who ends up being the alien queen um and it kind of floats through the movie and it's like and you know that she's you know she's up to so, like the whole time i was like she's either in the fbi or she's the fucking alien queen <laughs> like there's because she's just like from the south and it's like how how are y'all doing and like oh yeah. this is uh you guys don't talk to each other because you're a jock and he's a nerd hey, you shouldn't do that you should be nice to each other um uh but this character, who I'm, I'm making fun of, but but is you know it, it, it's a it's a legit character in the movie until they do the big reveal. Um, there's some scenes of like closeness and intimacy between her and Clay Duvall's character, and so I was I was then thinking like, oh, no, Clay Duvall is actually gay. She just doesn't have the the language or the inclination or or a feeling of safety to come out into this world, um, and so it's like a double agent kind of thing uh, is where I thought it was going. Um, I don't know why I thought that about a movie in the late 90s that that it would would like think that deeply about queer identity Um, because in fact, as it turns out in the final analysis, not only is um, uh, 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 Clay Duvall's character straight, they do, holy shit, they do one of the worst versions I've ever seen of the, the, the Ali Sheedy in the Breakfast Club move where like, you know, Ali Sheedy is this like just goth queen and is like doesn't give a shit. But then like she, the the scene where she finds herself, she comes out and she's wearing like a pink dress and her hair is back and she's suddenly like and it's just like what did cool. what did they do to you, Ali? What did they do? Why did what did you do to Ali Sheedy? What did you do to goth Ali? Um, they do a literally same move they do at the end of the faculty where um, uh, Clay Duvall's character uh, gets rid of the goth makeup dyes her hair a little blonde and embraces uh, heterosexuality with both hands because she's kissing the high school quarterback at the end, baby. Literally breakfast club. Literally breakfast club move. But it's more insidious because they've they've introduced these themes of her of her potentially being queer, her potentially being gay. Um, and so it goes from just like uh, kind of misogynistic to misogynistic and homophobic that like that, you know, um, oh no, she's not gay. She's like, she's very straight. And in fact, like her straightness is what is going to like save her in the end. And what, and where she's going to come into her own is like, is getting rid of this, like getting rid of these queer signifiers and embracing heteronormativity <laughs> and movie. kissing the fucking quarterback. Yeah. I was like, are you, and it literally cuts from the kiss of her and the quarterback to Elijah Wood, um, photographing a butterfly. And I'm like, I was like, bring back the aliens. They were, they, <laughs> you guys were a hell of a lot more fun when you had damn aliens inside you. Yeah. This is the big, this is what you were fighting for? Yeah. This world? Let this world burn. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that was like, I there was like, you know, 45 minutes in this movie, I was like, I like this a lot more than I thought it was. That ending is so atrocious and is such a fucking yeah. uh uh just like you know just, like it, it, Fuck it, you. it it's almost it's so cynical because it's almost like i don't know there's there's no gay characters in this movie like it's kind of that move where it was like it was like don't worry it, it knows enough to say like you know to be like sympathetic towards queerness as another form of being an outcast and we are sympathetic to all outcasts but like but like, not real. There's no gay characters in the movie. You know, it was like it was that kind of like I was like, that is just so fucking cynical and so fucking, uh, so fucking you know shitty. Um, so yeah, that's 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 the faculty. That's that's what worked and what didn't work for me. So again, better and better than I thought it was gonna be in a lot of ways, and then worse in ways I thought it was gonna be. Highs wow. and lows. Well, amazing review of the faculty. You really brought Thank to you. light a lot of things lot that were faculty. just like yeah. <laughs> you brought to light a lot of like things that were like 
things that were just like there, but completely and totally unexplored. I feel like this movie just like every time it just thought about something interesting, it just sort of was happy to sort of fall back on its sort of cash grabby sort of vibe. Yeah. It's just like a ugly, stupid, unartistic, sexless, miserable little movie that's not particularly scary or it was particularly the Weinstein creative. screaming at the top of our lungs. Give us a scream. Give it us a scream. It, yeah, it's give us a scream, but like. It doesn't. It fails in every facet. I don't care. I don't care. Scream is brilliant and interesting and hilarious and scary. This movie's none of those things. This movie's flat as hell. It's funny because there's lots of like crazy performances and it is like yeah. it is like an oddity of a film where it's like, whoa, what the heck? LOL. It's so viciously nineties. I hate a coming of age story nine out of ten times. I don't care. And this is why because it's just like I don't care about fucking high school kids. I don't care about kids. Fuck you. And um. Is fucking boring, <laughs> and um, <laughs> who gives a fucking shit? Figure it out. Uh, take a deep breath. Figure it out, and um, mm. you're fine. But anyway, seriously, this movie is so flat. Like Robert Rodriguez, you think it's going to have He's a little panache? No, you think it's going to have a little panache? You think it's going to have a little energy, a little zip, a little creativity, a little splatter, a little anything? This movie's f- this movie is not scary. Is flat. Is boring. The it's not scary, but it is. Some of those action sequences are fun. Some of those fight scenes are fun. The it's not like they don't know how to make a movie. It's just that like there's not a lot of heart in the film. Yeah, I just there's don't not a lot think, of passion yeah. there. It just feeling very like they were trying to cash time in to make on a screen. movie. Yeah. It just felt like a big money movie, and for me, it just did not work. But I gotta say, like your review worked gangbusters on me. I like that very much. But you know what I attribute it to? Because I think you're right. Because this was ultimately just a cash grab after screen. It's like a boring out. movie. The yeah. wine scenes were like they they took the you know pulse of Hollywood and they're like there's there's about to be six like scream esque movies. We got to get ours out out of the gate first. So I think that's like they, it was definitely rushed. Um, I attribute a lot of what I found in it just to the fucking magical genre of horror. They're like the magical genre of horror gives you interesting things to think about. And whether it means to or not, even if it is doing it sort of like like haphazardly or or accidentally, it digs into a lot of like social and cultural fault lines and it finds things because it needs it needs people to act with extreme violence in intense situations. In order to do that, it needs to give them some sort of motivation yeah, okay, to do that. Yeah. And so the way it finds those motivations is where it digs into these, I think, really deep fault lines and sort of things in the culture, things in the world, or just things about that are just inherent to humanity. So I, I think a lot of what I liked about it is just is just more so about the genre itself, maybe. Um, but it's not... That's nice. That's cool. I mean, that's like... The kiss at the end is so atrocious, but other work. than that, it is like I, I think it does work. I think it works. I think it works actually very. I think it's very internally consistent. Okay. I think scat is such a funny. Like, it is like device to have like to. It's so dumb. You know, um, it, it, it's it's like all these like int- like when it's one. Of, this is this is exactly reminding me of Prime and Miss Jean Brody. It's another school thing. You don't like school movies. You're, you're bringing a lot of like very interesting things to this movie that just it doesn't exist in the, or it does exist in the film. And Brett's really like making it sing but these are just like it's just like it's just not as fun or interesting as that. that's what i like about mainstream movies though is that you work in conjunction with them a little bit more you work in tandem a little bit you this, are one, not... this one wasn't for me and i love a good mainstream movie as you all know no but, Bur- this but one wasn't bernie's, for me. bernie's predator that's faculty i would put Predator's it good i would put it in that category though to the extent that i felt it felt like a movie that i was working in tandem with in order in order to sort of discover its themes because look it's a mainstream movie. It can't. It can't. It can't. It, it, we, we we can't have ten minutes of Andrew McCarthy. You know, uh, uh, like 
staring at the waves in real time. You know, it's got it's gonna move, 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 move. Scream's a mainstream movie, and it's like a million times better. And it came out the year before. Oh, nobody's doubting that. No, I'm nobody's just saying, like, that. it's possible to make a mainstream movie that's not yeah. as boring and flat and dull and miserable and cynical and stupid and unscary and unsexless <laughs> as the faculty. Jessica says, "My scat-filled life." Uh, to, to recall another '90s. Yes. Uh, um, Speaking uh, teenage '90s kids love faculty. Speaking property. of '90s kids, I've been just kind of like that's part of it to me. The nostalgia. I want to hear. Last week, we heard one of the most interesting and stupid opinions ever on this podcast. Our producer, Brian Heaven Smith. Oh, which he, one? Take your pick. Right. No, he, now, he's watching the he movies with us litany. this Octo- October, which is a lot of fun, until we learned that he's only scared um, when Shocking. the- Shocking. like the ravings the, of a madman. He does not like any creature films. Only if the bad guy is originally human, then the film will scare him. So things that will scare him is Slasher, who is a human- um, uh, like an an exorcism in the sense that a, a a human a human ghost is possessing someone I believe he's scared by um Brian, or, or another thing he's scared by is like Chucky scares him because that's a human soul in a baby's in a, in a doll, so that doesn't count as a creature. But like King Kong, you know, not scary. It was like it was like um, it was like a medieval scientist trying insane. to like categorize it's the insane. world. Yeah, it was no, it was just such know, a bizarre. So it's truly bizarre. Um, yeah. Uh, Brian, um, hey. where? Hey, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Brian, uh, you're a guy who's not scared of any. Brian any is so high films. on scat. So right where now. are you on these films? Suspiria, that's witches, that's human based. But uh, faculty is aliens putting themselves in the body of, of humans. Tell me, did either of these films work for you? Did you like them? And were you scared because of the human or not human nature of the of the creatures? Yeah, I mean. Good. I, I I swear I'm not just like coming on this to be contrary and and you know have different points of view. I stand by everything I said uh, no, the, the, before. Well, we're just being honest. I love no. Yeah. <laughs> the only I, rule is to be honest. I, for whatever reason, the alien creature thing in faculty scared me. <laughs> what? <laughs> I swear I've never been scared by a creature before. This is the outlier. This is this has never happened before. This is that, the outlier? I don't know. What the I, fuck are you talking with, about? The way it was morphing and 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 the fuck is wrong the, with when you? It was in the pool. I, I was I don't know. I was scared. Again, I was watching it with my lovely fiance Ryan Asher and and name and, drop. Well, okay, it's my fiance. <laughs> <laughs> and me and Ryan, you know, both share this opinion about creatures, but we both were we got chills for a second. Are I you don't kidding? Know why. The faculty really worked for me. I, I you I, '90s <laughs> kids all need to all need to, to take a long walk. You I mean, I liked insane. it. I wasn't scared by the monster. <laughs> I was. I was scared by it. Are Look, you kidding? I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I was I was absolutely scared. Like all manifestations of it or just no, the mother? No, 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 no. The just, big alien yeah, one. Yeah, when it started getting bigger and, and growing. Yeah, <laughs> couldn't that, look worse. Couldn't look faker. Couldn't be less scary. Okay, and, and hey, then, Brian, what did you, good news. Just shove a ballpoint pen full of uh, caffeine <laughs> pills and it's anywhere in its vicinity. What did you think but of? I, well, yeah. Wait, wait I, one, one more thing about the faculty, which you guys, you guys touched Please. on. Uh, I... I was annoyed by it seemed like they only said the thing about invasion of the body snatchers because they were like, oh, we need to we need to have one of these kids know how to r- kill the aliens. 
And so we're going to put in this thing of one of them happens to be like a horror movie nerd, kind yep. of, but like half commit to it so that they know that, oh, if you kill the mother, then all the other ones will die. It, it made no yeah, sense. Yeah, but here's the thing. Yeah, they mentioned it a thousand you times. Would, you're, if the mother is inevitably going to attack you, right. you're going to, you're going to, like, you're going to come into, you're going to have some antagonist, like, there's going to be a fight with the mother regardless. So right. they don't, so it, there's so many movies where, like, you kill the mother and then suddenly you notice everyone else falls down. You're like, oh, that was like, you can figure it out in retrospect. It was so weird to have them. It's just such a, it's what they do in Stranger Things too, which I stopped watching. I haven't re- watched it recently, but like, where they're using D&D to figure out how to like, enough with that fucking trope. Enough. Yeah. Give me mo- Give me movies that are self-contained. I don't want, they no are more addiction reflections of the world. No I more don't D&D. like, I don't like this, like this lazy, it's lazy it. meta shit. Yeah. It's meta shit to no end. It's meta, it's meta shit because you don't have a plot. You don't have like cause and effect. And so you have to have you, these like kids who are like, well, if this was the movies, it would go like this. Wink, wink. <laughs> I, yeah, it's so stupid. I'm, I'm with you. Lazy. Yeah. Lazy. And it didn't need it. I mean, no, it did not. No. Because Brian, faculty scared you, and where did you think of Suspiria, Brian? Uh, also scared me, but mostly confused me. <laughs> okay, cool. While that you were in the bathroom, while you're in the bathroom, we didn't get into this, but we, when you were in the bathroom, Brian confessed that Suspiria mostly just confused him. <laughs> but it was okay. creepy. I, yeah, oh, it was, it was creepy. creepy. Okay, cool. Did you so, have a sub? Did you have subtitles on? I mean, what, what's going on? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you okay? I was just confused. It was just like, what's going on here? It was a lot of what's going on here. Yeah. I okay. just I didn't get the whole witches thing for a while. Okay. And then, and then it seemed like, okay. how did she figure out uh, to stab the the invisible witch? No. That doubt. yeah. That uh. Because plot is. It does, doesn't always. Yeah. Fucking I mean, matter, you, you know that something. I mean, the, the so, I don't know the metaphysics of it, but the lightning flashing was like silhouetting was silhouetting the 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 mother witch. Okay, all yeah. right, actually, that's that's helpful. Yeah, so that's how she. I don't know, you know, why, but but it's just like, yeah, okay, well, that's what's happening then. So Brian, correct me if I'm wrong. Now, if you were to vote, and you are, you would say. Sounds like faculty. It sounds like the faculty to me. Is that what you, you get a vote the, now? You, you do get, get a vote, vote in, uh, this month against now, our better judgment. Uh, uh, you get a vote. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'll just put this out here, right? you guys. I didn't love the faculty. I like Suspiria very much. I'm going yeah. to. I'm going to Same. vote Suspiria. Same. I enjoyed the faculty. I enjoyed thinking about the faculty and what it could. And you mean. really did, and I loved your um, thinking. But uh, so, and, okay, I, so and I agree. loved revisiting. I uh, love revisiting, you know, late '90s era Josh Hartnett, Clea Duvall, Sean Hattis, fa- Jordana yeah, Brewster, Elijah Wood, right. pre Lord of the Rings, Elijah Wood. He's thinking like, where the fuck am I going from the faculty? Right. Oh, good news, you're going into the biggest film franchise of all time, yeah. uh, okay, and then so you get to make fun indies for the rest of your life. You're not going to push oh, a faculty I genre. Love, I love, I love you, Elijah Wood. So you're not, you're not going to do a swag me on faculty. <sighs> No, 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 no. Okay, no, so no. you're a Suspiria. I was Okay. I was about halfway through I was like, "Oh, I might I might be making a hard push for faculty." Mm-hmm. Uh mm-hmm. if anything just for fun, but I also would believe it cuz I have to be honest. Right. Um but then second half of the movie, not so much. Uh just sort of devolved into some pretty some pretty standard uh shtick and then um the ending is so atrocious. I was like, "Burger this movie in the fucking trash can." In. Brian, you have you, we are picking Suspiria, but Defend the faculty with your life. Give me a couple sentences on why the faculty was better than Suspiria, please. Thank you. Okay, yeah. I I mean, it's just a personal... I'm a 90s kid through and through. Suspiria was cool. You know, I, I love that, that, you know, that style, that, that you know, artsy... Uh, Film stuff you, you know, they had going on. <laughs> but the, the fuck faculty, is he talking about? <laughs> the faculty, baby. It's a 90s <laughs> film for a 90s kid. I loved it. 
What about when? Uh, okay. What, what about when? <laughs> I like that. Brian's, Brian's I, I, lit. I like that. I agree. Is there, is there ether seeping into the engineering booth? Brian is. Uh, you got. You had to love though when Hartnett first showed up in the parking lot and just like is is just like driving so fast and <laughs> recklessly into that high school. That's what I tell you. I love Josh Hartnett was wake like like Josh. Look, I don't want to get too. I mean, look, Josh Hartnett was like probably a couple weeks away from just like committing some public act of like violence and he was like Josh Hartnett. Josh Hartnett's character. Josh Hartnett's character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was just he was I'm like ready. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna take some people with me. He was ready you know, he was, he, ready to, he was really ready and to rock so, and roll. He really, but like, still had that Josh Hartnett charisma, charming. Um, that yeah. haircut was atrocious, <sighs> Brian. Uh, but then you know, thank God for the aliens because yeah. then he got to take, he got to really work some shit out yeah. by chopping off John yeah. Stewart's fingers. Yeah, you guys brought a lot of. Uh, you you guys have done more for the faculty today than anybody's ever done for the faculty in in the, in the all the years since spin out. Brett with your like very interesting ne- the thread pulling and Brian with your well, look, full throated endorsement better than Suspiria, which I I have no choice but to respect you about. With, with, you know I Insane ever I respect that I completely that's that's just absurd. I respect the shit out of you. Now. I've just never met someone with, such, with such such like idiosyncratic. He's a madman. Uh, uh, like and he's a man of rules and principle, except when it comes to consistent. the faculty, which. I think usually he, he literally just picked it because it came out in the late nineties. I think that's the only reason. No, he and, it. and because it scared him. Sp- oh, Creatures know, it really, never yeah. scare him ever until, in the history of horror. It broke not one of his alien, rules. It broke not one predator, of his rules. nothing, not fucking King, fucking Kong. But the faculty scared Brian. That's the first creature, and Ryan Asher, his fiance. It's literally dropped. like asking like uh like uh like a it's literally like asking a medieval scientist how the body works. Like you like <laughs> you're like you're not you have no idea. Yeah. You're gonna get yeah. a consistent, right. internally consistent like, answer. Yeah, the but it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be really wacky. Yeah, Brian's going home to leech himself. Um, you have an agent of chaos uh, producing your yeah. show. You're not wrong. That, uh, Sharon says, if either of you, I'm, I assume that's me and Joe, choose faculty, I would abandon this podcast and tell people not to listen to it. <laughs> sorry. Don't be sorry. You would have every right to do that. Luckily, no, the faculty isn't luckily we are not good. putting Brian, the faculty in the fucking cannon. I think we now we need like another thing on your letterbox for weekend at Bergman's. We need a what Brian likes category. Yeah. And it's just Brian's it's, rules. It, it, it's only the faculty so far. He didn't like Predator or Alien. Those are not scary and not Suspiria. Only the faculty. Uh, Robert Rodriguez is. The I love you think the faculty. I, the faculty monster is scarier than the predator or alien or alien. <laughs> Yeah, it, 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 uh, it looks like Job of the Hut in a McDonald's commercial. Yeah, like like the, the CGI of yeah. like the commercial. It's like it like it like it's like Uncanny Valley Job of the Hut, but like it's blatantly horrendous. It CGI. looks like three rounds it's of producers awful. came in and said less scary, <laughs> less scary. No, 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 less scary. There, that's it. That's right, well, it right wait, there. Brett, what are we doing next week? And basically, I only care now about what Brian thinks about movies, Jesus. which is the only interesting, I'm the only surprise of this podcast. All right, so to, to, so so to put a button week, on next, it, yeah, we had two yeah. votes for Suspiria, one vote for the <laughs> faculty. One full-throated <laughs> endorsement of the faculty. And it's the only horror movie Brian's liked or scared him so far. <laughs> Suspiria is going in the Anything canon. Anything that'll scare Brian next going week, in the what trash do we have? Cannon. All right, next week, this is very exciting. Uh, we have where Horror Month rolls along... <laughs> With or oh, I know which one Brian's going to choose. You do, uh, yes, they? because oh, the craft. we have He's picking the craft. No, yes, exactly. Right. We we have uh, Robert Eggers' uh, debut feature film, The Vavitch, uh, versus uh, a '90s, a true '90s classic. This is going to be a tight one. This is going to be a tight one. Uh, the Craft, The Craft. Oh, Faruza Balk crushing it in The Craft. I'm excited. Um, I had never seen The Craft, Brett. 
You've never seen the craft? Oh, the craft is fun. The craft right, is fun. I'm, this, I'm this very is excited. Be tight, I'm very excited. Tight, tight, tight. Right. It's not like as yeah, Tuco it's not said. Like, like I've seen the Eggers movie, and you know, Rachel, I, I remember Truth, liking Pete it very Ulrich, much. Nev Campbell, Robin Tunney, Christine I love Taylor, Breckin Meyer. Another another classic nineties cast here. I I, um, I love when I say nineties cast. It's just like a movie that came out in the nineties that cast people who the are popular. working actors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that is a, that. Come on, that is a that, '90s. But cast. that's a very that a, '90s cast. That's a very right. '90s cast. Well, I'm excited. Um, so uh, next week, the Vovich versus the Craft, um, and uh, Robert Eggers came on Ryder's panel. I think he'll come on here talk about the Vovich. No, forever dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by dog. Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram, at Forever Dog Team, and liking our page on Facebook.